Welcome to the My Haunt Life Podcast. Hello and welcome to the My Haunt Life Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. And we say this every podcast, it seems, but it seems like it's been so long since we recorded something. And yeah, because we've been extremely busy, I think. Yeah, we've both been out of town. I went to Vegas for work and you went to Vegas for fun. And yep. the UFO abducted you at, at one point. But <laughs> oh, shh, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we have a, a bunch of stuff to talk about, which is awesome. Um, the first thing that we've done since the last podcast was a new escape room that opened up in Brea, and that is the Red Lantern Escape Rooms Midnight on the Bayou. We did this for my birthday. Oh, that's right. It was on your birthday. Yes, it was. Yeah. A, which is becoming a tradition, because didn't we do one last year for my birthday, too? And the year before. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Yeah, it was really, really fun. Uh, we wrote a written review of that, so we'll put a link to that in the show notes, but... I mean, as soon as you walk in, you kind of, if, if for me at least, because we've done so many escape rooms, it was really odd walking into this because it's like, wow, this is very spacious. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really, uh, you know, we've uh, how do uh, we've done other escape rooms that cover a lot of ground, but this is such an open. It feels like an exterior. It's it's big and roomy. And when we walked in, I mean, I think everyone in our group was like, "Wow!" Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. And you know, the the spaciousness it there's no there's none of that claustrophobic feel. Yeah, and a lot that a lot of escape rooms have. Yeah, which which um, the thing it's uh, you know we've we've talked about this. We talked about right after the doing the escape room how different the feeling of this was for everyone. And Mike, I absolutely loved the idea that, that this became not about beating the clock. Right. Well, it did. But beating the clock to escape. Yeah. We definitely needed to escape. We need, or, 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 you know, achieve things by the end of a time period. But I never felt Literally, I can tell you, I only looked at the timer once the entire time we were in this room. Right. And that, and, and I think that goes with the theme of the room. It's more, it's such a, almost a carefree type of experience where you go in and yeah, you, you have a time limit and you have to achieve goals before the time runs out. But it wasn't like every other escape room where I would be freaking out looking at the time. Like, guys, we only have... 50 minutes left. Oh, we, we need to do this. Russell, hurry up. Like there was none of that like kind of mentality going on. And it's, it's really cool. Yeah. It's, and, and look, we, we should probably touch on the setup for this room is you are going to a high school reunion and everyone in your group is from the same graduating class. And the year that you graduated, there was a tragedy involving a fire in which unfortunately took the lives of several students in the class. That is the setup that you have walking into this room. And then once in the room, you find that there are certain unfinished tasks, let's say, that you need to help finish because the students who perished in this tragedy, um, they're still there. And they're trapped. So rather than you escaping, you're sort of aiding the spirits in escaping. 
Right. That's yeah. <laughs> Good it... job. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's like I'm trying to explain that where where it doesn't give like too much of the vibe or too much of the 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 feeling away, but it, it, like that that's the charm of this room is it's not just about beating a clock. It's actually about advancing the story because you're given story elements when you walk in the door and your task isn't to get out of the room the task is to advance the story that's pretty darn unique it's like a video game it's like i'm not huge on video games but yes i I understand the reference (laughs) yeah we know (laughs) which where's x (laughs) uh yes mike has been coaching me on my controller skills (laughs) That sounds weird. So, well, as I've as I've been trying to learn video games, so I'm just not a gamer. Uh, so, but yes, I do understand the whole idea of like at certain times people level up. I guess would be the way to put it. Sure. <laughs> Why are you? That just it just sounds weird with you saying it like that. <laughs> Stop making fun of me, Mike. Think it more. This is more like checkpoints than leveling up. Oh, okay. All right. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> For us, I meant for the other st- characters. They were leveling up. They were uh, never mind. Literally, I, I, I never mind. Yeah, okay. The, the point is, you get invested in the story. Yes, and I, I said when we walk in, you see this. It's just very open, um, and that's because when you walk through that door, you're taken to the swamps of Louisiana for mm-hmm. the carnival-themed high school reunion. And I mean, you're from around that neck of the woods. I mean, does this look familiar to you? Have you seen stuff like this growing up? It really does have the vibe of, you know, uh, I don't want to say too much about the set, but it does give you sort of a exterior nighttime vibe. I think it's okay because there's pictures on the website. Oh, that's true. You you feel like you're on a deck overlooking... I was about to say the swamp, but that's really not true. Yeah, there's a little bit of it. A bayou, a bayou. It's in the title. It's a bayou. (laughs) Can you say it like you're from the South? Uh, Is that how it goes? Oh, are you talking about the weird Southern accent I've done for you? Yeah. (laughs) Do you really want me to do that? Of course. Uh... I have I have to I have to preface this. I I grew up in an area of Mississippi where nearby there was a very specific Southern accent that that we were talking about accents not long ago with several people, and I said the weirdest one I've ever known comes from an area in Mississippi, and it's a very guttural uh, sort of like um, oh I cannot believe I'm about to do this. Like there's a gun wrecking pickup, and I went out and I I, I meant I could put safety on, and I, I don't. I don't know if I do not. I don't remember. Right. It, what was that in English? It, it was it was basically uh, talking about the gun rack on my pickup truck and whether the safety was correctly applied oh, okay. before I drive. <laughs> you didn't get that? <laughs> sure. I am so embarrassed right now. <laughs> Why? Just because it's recorded and now everybody. Uh, I'm not has mocking this? anyone. I'm just saying that that every now and then when I go back to Mississippi to visit relatives, I I hear that and it's it's the one accent which I think is the most distinctive of that area because in Mississippi there's numerous different accents that take place. And if anyone in Mississippi is listening to this, please give us a call at five one five Haunt LA and do your best Russell impersonation. <laughs> oh man, oh. hell, even if you're not from Mississippi, <laughs> just call up and do your best Russell impersonation. Okay, getting back to the escape room. Uh, yes, you're. It's set in the bayou of Louisiana, and you're at this carnival-themed reunion, and all of the puzzles and things that you have to do 
uh, concentrate on the story of the students. Uh, some of them do tie in the theme of of what the students were interested in, if that makes sense. So it makes you reflect on who these people were as high school students and what their interests were. And that's what happens at a high school reunion. You meet up with your friends that you haven't seen in 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and you reflect on who you were then. So I find that th- there's a lot going on on the story level of this that I think is really appealing. Yeah, and here's the thing. The actual puzzles, if you've done a ton of escape rooms, going into this room, there will be times where you are going to slap your forehead. Like, you will face palm yourself because... A lot of us are so ingrained in the way of how a puzzle works. Like, okay, this is how it's going to work. This is how I'm going to get the solution. There's a lot of times in this room where you're going down that path and it's a completely different way to solve it. And it's one of those things where you need to step out of your box of what you think you know and what you think is going to happen. Because you, if you concentrate and try to make it work, it's not going to happen. I'm so glad that you said that because, Mike, I was incredibly guilty of that when we were inside this room. We all were. I kept fumbling and going, oh, I cannot believe I didn't see that because I was so convinced I knew what I was supposed to be doing. Yep. And then when you saw the, the answer to this, uh, the solution to what you were trying to figure out, like, oh, man, I could have gotten there so much faster if I just let go of my pre- preconceived notions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. So... We did escape. Yes, we well, did. I mean, you don't really escape. We uh, did everything we were supposed to. I'll say that. Yeah. That's and a good way of putting it. We only had a couple minutes left, I think, I we think had three, too. didn't we? Yeah. Um, but man, if you do this room, the last puzzle you're probably going to come to, <laughs> oh man, be ready. And don't get mad at your teammates because oh mike did anyone in our group get frustrated (laughs) no Uh, never oh oh, really mike really mike that was a sarcastic no (laughs) i just wanted to make sure the sarcasm read (laughs) oh yeah yeah mike was a little frustrated (laughs) just a little (laughs) yes uh what do you want to say about that last puzzle Uh, i mean just don't get frustrated with your teammates yeah and and the only reason i i think I we we're saying last puzzle. The only reason I think we we could have done it earlier, probably. Yeah, I think so too. We didn't have quite all the information we needed. We discovered the information in a way that it became the last puzzle for our team. Uh, it's not necessarily the last thing you will encounter in the room. However, I I think all of us just realized that uh, we'll get back to that. Yeah, we'll we'll just have to come back to that one. I will say it's a box, and it's something that is out in the open. It's not anything that is a surprise or hidden or you have to unlock. Like No, you, it just sits there mocking you. <laughs> yeah, so you will see it and you will know as soon as you try to solve it what we're talking about. Yes, and, and I will say this, really fun. Yeah. Once we got the hang of it, <laughs> once we figured out a way of actually conquering it, it took us multiple configurations, multiple tries, but eventually we got it worked out. Yeah. But really fun. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention is the the clue system. Um, mm-hmm. Because in a lot of escape rooms, if there is a clue system, you either have to ask or they are handed to you automatically, things like that. In this room, if you want a clue, you have to solve another puzzle in order to get it. <laughs> and it's so great. 
but at one point um the game master asked if we wanted one and i was like um sure like at this point Mm -hmm. and he gave me a puzzle to solve and everyone else was trying to figure out the actual game puzzles and i'm trying to figure out the clue puzzle and it's i don't know it's just it's it's a cool fun way to do things oh yeah like it's a good different way yeah and and i i did notice the the clue puzzle that you were working on looked really fun it was i'm not gonna say more yeah um, and speaking of the game master, the game master we had, his name was Roy, mm-hmm. and he's a magician as well. Yes. And we were lucky enough to sit down with him after we were done and have a short interview with him. Yes, we did. So why don't we go into that, Mike? All right. Here's our interview with Roy. Mike and I are sitting here with Roy from Red Lantern Escape Rooms, located in Brea. Yes. Now, Mike and I just finished uh, going through your room midnight on the bayou, and you're a fairly new escape room on the scene. Yes. How long have you? How long have you been open? Uh, we opened on the 14th of last month. So you're we're, very young. Yes, we're babies. First of all, congratulations. Well, thank you very much. The room is a lot of fun. You've created a wonderful environment. Well, thanks. Uh, very unique. First of all, how did you come up with the concept for this room? Um, well, I'm a Southern California kid. I grew up with the Disneyland annual pass and we went to the park a lot. My favorite part of the park was the Pirates of the Caribbean and not just the ride itself, but I love the restaurant at the top of it. Mm -hmm. Um, how it could kind of trick your mind into thinking you were outside at a different time of day in a different part of the country. So it could be 90 degrees and, you know, dry and 12 noon in Southern California. Then you go inside and suddenly you're in the bayou. It's, you know, close to midnight. It's different temperature. There's crickets and fireflies and things that don't exist in Southern California. So I just like that transition so much. And I wanted to create something like that for other people. I think you succeeded. Definitely. Oh, thanks. Uh, you do feel transported when you walk into this room. I I, I think you noticed that uh, when all of us walked into the room, there were a lot of oohs and ahs. Yes, I did. <laughs> it's like that. That's a wonderful thing to walk in and like, wow, this is this is. I was just transported somewhere. I think you succeeded in that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it. it I've. It, you weren't the only group to have that. Uh, experience. I do hear some oohs and ahs, which makes me feel great because I mean, obviously, I made this for everyone to enjoy, but I kind of also made it for myself. And it's so neat that what I like, other people end up liking and enjoying. So that is, yeah, it's really fantastic. And it's interesting that you said that you were such a fan of the Pirates of the Caribbean in the beginning, because as soon as I walked in, I instantly thought I was riding that ride, looking up and saying, oh my God, this is exactly like the restaurant. Well, not exactly like copyright yeah. reasons. Exactly, not yeah. exactly. It was inspired by. Inspired by, yes. It's a, uh, I, yeah. We're not quite Disneyland level production, certainly, but um, yeah, just that kind of the the idea of transporting yourself to a different location. And and I've been to New Orleans. I love New Orleans and that whole the culture and the architecture. And it's yeah, it's one of my favorite places. You need an above ground cemetery. True, we <laughs> could have that. Um, but we also, even though we have kind of a spooky supernatural theme. Yes, you um, do. We wanted it to be appealing to a broader audience because there are the kind of horror-themed escape rooms already. Mm-hmm. And um, and we wanted this escape room to appeal to everyone. We wanted families to be able to come. So we we made it a little bit spooky, but not scary. So I think an above-ground cemetery would be more like the other scary escape rooms. So we want to kind of <laughs> keep more the... 
mystery and carnival and kind of bayou aspect without having any overt jump scares. I, and again, I think I think exactly what you just said, you have succeeded very, very well at. This is an escape room, I think, which would be family-friendly. Do you have any age limits in place? Uh, we do. It is recommended for 10 and up. Um, and we've had kids come through. We've had even younger than 10. We, Like we say on our website, we allow younger children, but you, we ask them to book a private room. So it's just their family and the children in case another group doesn't, you know, isn't comfortable playing with the younger kids. So. Right. Uh, that That's totally understandable. However, I feel obligated now to say that Mike and I, our team escaped with only how many minutes left? Three minutes and 17 seconds. So this is a challenging room. It's like, yes, you, you're saying, you know, family friendly and younger kids are welcome, but I just want to stress that we loved some of these puzzles and challenges and found them really complex and really engaging and highly entertaining. Well, thank you. Yeah, and it's we were just talking about this yesterday because we've had both of the both the first time escape room players come through and then we've also had the enthusiasts and the other owners and they all seem to almost do equally well. It's I think our puzzles are so kind of different in some ways from other escape rooms that uh, enthusiasts sometimes have a little extra trouble because they have so much experience. They kind of come in with preconceived notions. And then the families, while they don't aren't as organized, maybe don't communicate as well, don't have as many preconceived notions. And so they kind of just go with the the theme, which kind of draws the puzzle along. And so it ends up kind of, I mean, enthusiasts still get the better times, but it ends up almost kind of being this middle ground where everyone kind of gets out around the 50-minute mark if they do get out. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, you've got some enjoyable stuff in this room. And the the whole atmosphere, the vibe that you've created, you've transformed your little location here into something pretty special. Mike, you and I just went to our high school reunion. Yeah, I'm not sure how you and I ended up in the same grade, but yes, that's true. And unfortunately, we had a, a bit of a sorrow because some members of our class are unfortunately passed on. Which introduces one of the elements I really like about this room, and that's, as you said, Roy, it's not a scary room, but the supernatural element that you introduce of the spirits, and I I hope it's not too much of a spoiler to say you helping them out, is really touching. And I think that's part of the charm of this room is there are various times during during the course of getting to your goals that... You, you've built in many victories along the way. Other escape rooms, you, you complete a task or you complete a puzzle, and you just know that gets you to the next step. In your room, it's actually an emotional moment. You've actually created something where it's like, oh, you achieve something. And I think that's really, really nice. And it completely goes to the story which you set up uh, on your website and when you first walk into the room. Well, thanks. Yeah, that was one of the goals. Yeah, two aspects of that. We wanted there to be serial parallel chains. So if you got stuck moving forward, you weren't just stuck forever. You could go work on something else. These five different stories can be completed independently, and at the end, they kind of all come together. Yeah, we were going for that. And also, I did want that emotional component. My background is writing. I have... um, two master's degrees in writing, both uh, from the States and from England. And so I came to 
building an escape room from an author's perspective instead of a puzzle lover or enthusiast perspective, which has been good and bad because it makes the puzzles really challenging to develop, but I, I'm really enjoying the story. And well, you know, like when I write a book, I hope people are enjoying the story, but their reaction is so far removed. You know, it's published, they buy it, you know, years later, a different part of the world. But here I can see people respond to my characters and watch them follow that character arc. And I get that kind of emotion or immediate emotional response from them. And I've had, um, I don't think this is giving too much away, one of the spirits is kind of a athlete, but he's a, uh, a romantic at heart. And it's kind of a touching end to his journey. And I've had couples kind of realize what's going on and hug each other and kind of start slow dancing on the dance floor here. And it's, it's been really cute. That's awesome. That, that's a tribute to you that I, cause as I said, I, I responded to that very well. I think our entire group did. Oh, well, thanks. You've only been open a month at this point. Uh, is it too soon to think about the future and adding other rooms and other uses for the rooms? Uh, not at all. We've been thinking about the future since before we opened. Um, we, plan on opening two more rooms in the upper story part of our complex and we've got some additions coming to midnight on the by itself uh in the more distant future i can't really say too much about that but we're also looking to expand um the uses for the room we've already had corporate events and birthday parties happen here and we're working on a uh, marriage proposal ha having that happen and incorporating the marriage proposal into the audio effects and into the clue chains that already exist. And so that should be kind of unique. That's pretty awesome. Thanks. I was speaking to the lovely lady out front. She is amazing and so, so nice. And she told me that this is pretty much a family affair. Um, can you talk a bit about that and how that happened? Yeah, this is literally a mom and pop operation. I, uh, I played a, Fantastic escape room up in LA almost two years ago. I guess I can mention the name since I'm saying good things. The Basement LA was my first escape room. And so that really got me into the genre and got me excited about it. And I eventually thought, well, maybe I could do one of these on my own. And I kind of casually mentioned it to my mother. And she said, I could maybe try to help you with that. And then on Christmas of 2000. 15, I mentioned it to the whole family just as an interest, and my brother said, I'll back that and be a founder, and my mother said she'd be a founder, and my dad got in on it, and so yeah, it just literally became a mom-and-pop operation, and it's cool because we're bringing different kind of experiences and abilities to the escape room, and we've got like the writer and the computer person and the CEO who's been my brother's run a huge uh, business for a number of years and so he has that kind of business experience and we've got someone who's really good at marketing and so yeah it's really neat to see everyone's talents that you kind of logically knew hey I know my brother can do that but to see them in action to see them in their element is really cool and we've also been able to spend a lot of time together as a family which I was nervous about thinking you know you've, we've all seen the movies where everyone like tears each other apart but um no we've actually gotten along really well and it's just it's been a great experience to be able to share this with the people I care about that's so cool so that it that is just a wonderful heartwarming side of this and I and I think 
you know, you're talking about approaching this from a writer's standpoint. I, I think it, it to me it feels like that whole family vibe that you just described has infused has infused itself in your entire business. It, it's just it's like this is such a I don't know. Uh, one person uh, in our in our party, uh, Deb and Jake, joined us, and at the end of it, Jake made this comment about he was happy that he's had some experience in escape rooms because otherwise he would have been stressing out totally in this escape room. This escape room, you really, really do kind of let yourself go and become involved in the characters in the story. It's it's I would I think we can say that it's nonlinear for the most part. Um, even though certain, you know, the the as you said, there's different tracks for the characters involved. There's definitely some tense moments and there's definitely, you know, that you feel the pressure and the fact that we only got out with a couple minutes to spare. This is a really, really fun night for us. This has been great. Oh, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. And I didn't mean to um, be too like huggy and <laughs> warm and hippie-ish. I mean, it, uh, it, I mean, I do love the story and that family aspect, but it's still an escape room. You are still oh, racing yeah. to cleanse the clock. There's still, you know, things letting you know that time is counting down and there are sound effects going on. And so I'm glad that you also felt that kind of, that tension and that you were invested, hopefully not only for yourself, but also you were rooting for these characters because if you help them, you help yourself. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think I, I think we all felt that in our group. And Mike can attest that I don't think we shy away from the warm and fuzzy feelings. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Someday I'm going to like break him out of his shell. <laughs> Roy, thank you so much again for this creation and having us here. And this has been so much fun. Where can people find more information about you? Um, they can go to our website, www.redlanternescaperooms.com. Escape Rooms with an S. Um, we're also on Facebook as Red Lantern Escape Rooms. Um, and yeah, if people sign up for our newsletter, they will not get spammed, I promise, because I hate that when <laughs> that happens to me. Um, we'll just send you announcements of when um, we're opening new rooms or if we need beta testers. Um, we also send out discount codes through our uh, mailing list. So uh, yeah, people follow us. They'll know what's uh, coming next. We're thinking of doing, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this, we're thinking of doing a... Um, ribbon cutting with the city of Brea and like having like the mayor come down and having food and like magicians uh, in addition to myself and so uh yeah uh that is not definite yet but um but I think that would be interesting just because I've never done that before that would be awesome and people would find out that from the newsletter correct yes and I, I believe that you might have an interest in magic is that true uh, yes, I, I do practice magic um, since I was in college as an undergraduate, which is too many years ago to uh, account for without uh, giving away my age. Um, but yeah, I, it's never been a profession unless uh, you count doing magic at like Not Scary Farm. I was a magician over there for a number of years, but I've always kind of done it casually as just with friends or birthday parties or whenever I can. And um, yeah, and so being able to incorporate a little bit of that into the escape room, um, I don't think it's giving away anything that I, uh, letting people know I play a magician character. There are different characters that you might see in the escape room, so you're not guaranteed to see me necessarily, but, um, but there is, no matter who you see in the escape room, there is a little magic trick that happens i think you know what i'm referring to mm -hmm. um so i was uh, able to actually teach magic to some of my other family members to prep them for 
uh, participating in Midnight on the Bayou. That's but, uh, great. Actually, when I met you, that is how I met you was was watching you do a magic trick, and ah. then and then somebody said, "Oh, that that's the guy from Red Lantern." <laughs> so that yeah, that's how I met you, and I wanted to bring it up. Uh, and you thoroughly and you thoroughly entertained us. That's for sure. Ah, excellent. Well, I'm glad. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, magic's kind of at an interesting point where um, you can't really do the David Copperfield type of thing without being at least a little self-referential or self-deprecating or having some kind of meta humor because it's, you know, it's almost kind of a uh, satire of itself at this point. And so that's why you've got to go big or weird or just uh, my approach is just kind of smoothly incorporate it into something else. So it's not magic for magic's sake. It's just like a little added bonus. Well, Mike and I are both huge magic fans. So Uh, that aspect always appeals to us. Have you ever heard of Piff the Magic Dragon? Oh, yeah. Okay. One of my favorites. Um, And more locally... Uh, if I could plug Jimmy H, he's a local magician, oh, yeah. a friend of mine, that he's, he does good work as well. well. Definitely know him as well. Excellent. And his alter ego. Uh, Mud the Magnificent. <laughs> yep. We've encountered Mud several times. Ah, very cool. Thank you again for speaking with us. We had a great time tonight, and I, we recommend everyone come and check out your room. Oh, well, thanks for coming down. I appreciate it. We want to thank Roy for sitting down after uh, our team finished and, and having the chance to sit down and talk with him was really enjoyable. And you really do get the vibe uh, from the moment you walk in that this is a family affair. And, and this uh, this is such a good feeling. It, 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 let me put it this way. It was a good feeling experience to go to this room because it was positive. It was upbeat. It, it it's it's not a dark room it's not a like horror themed which we've done several of those recently and you know what it, it was just like this was just i keep going to the fun word it's like that's what it was and and roy thank you so much for sitting down and talking to us yeah and going back to the family affair i mean you walk in and his mom is the person that greets you mm-hmm. in the lobby and has you fill out the waiver and and sign it and everything and it's just like yeah and that's so cool another thing that i I found really interesting about when we spoke to him is how he came about creating the puzzles from an author's point of view instead of an escape room point of view, which, like which a was, puzzle guy. Yeah, I agree. And I think the reason that, that that struck me as so interesting is because I had fumbled so many times in the room going in the wrong direction and screwing myself up that when he said that, it was like, oh, that's that's why I'm having problems doing the solutions is because I'm looking at it wrong. Which is funny because I the thing I loved about the room was how story oriented it was as we were inside. So yeah, like nice job, nice job on this room. Yeah. So for more information on the Red Lantern Escape Rooms Midnight on the Bayou, which is located in Brea, California, hit them up on the web at redlanternescaperooms.com, on Facebook Red Lantern Escape Rooms, on Instagram Red Lantern Escape, and on Twitter Red Lantern X Cape. That's the letter X and then Cape like a superhero wears. <laughs> and then after that, oh, oh, we went back to uh, become our old friend Johnny again. Yeah, uh, we've, we've mentioned uh, the Speakeasy Society before on the podcast, and their most recent show was Johnny the Living, which was the third part of a trilogy called The Johnny Cycle, based on Dalton Trumbo's book, Johnny Got His Gun. And we talked about our first experiences on uh, the, a couple podcasts ago, and it hit us really hard, at least me. Um, we went back. We both went back a second time. We went on different days. And Russell, what was the first thing that you texted me after you, the second time you went through? 
Yeah, I um, th- th- this was one of those times when yeah, I look, I'm the emotional guy, right? You always <laughs> kid me about how emotional I get. Like, after the first time, man, you were so messed up. Yep. And because of the track that I was on, I was on a on a track in the show which was more about politics and manipulation and maneuvering, and so I I was affected by it. Definitely, especially the ending of my first time was a a very small, intimate scene with one other patron and a soldier um, quoting from the book and quoting from previous uh, um, plays in the Johnny Cycle about how the bullet is made and it will always have a destiny and the destiny may be to kill somebody. Mm -hmm. And that was my first ending. So it was very emotional, but I walked out and man, you were so emotional. And then when I went back my second time, I wound up on the track that you had your first time. So you understand. (laughs) Holy crap. Yeah. It was utterly devastating. Mm -hmm. And you had made reference to the ending that you got. And it just so happened I received that same ending my second time. And and I I wound up in uh in that room where basically Dalton Trumbo is a character in this show. And how, how do you explain what goes on in that scene? He reexamines his life. He asks you to reexamine your life. Um That scene is why I made reference to the never ending story. Right. Because the author is now talking to you as if you're real. Yes. And I mean, that's that's the best way to describe it. And you're playing Johnny at that point, which is the character he created. Mm -hmm. So he's referring to you as the fictional character that he created, but you're standing in front of him flesh and blood as he is standing in front of you flesh and blood. Yeah. So... So I don't know who you wound up in that scene with, Mike. Did you know the other people? I didn't. For me, I wound up going the same night that our friends Morgan and Lauren went, and it was just the three of us. Oh, wow. So when he started the whole path of where are you and what does your life mean? Does your life have meaning? Which he, you know, he, you told me that, and you said that he asked you that question. He asked me that question. And the fact that I knew the other people made that scene even more traumatic and touching because, you know, we're all adults, the three of us, and we know stuff that's going on in each other's lives. And so I was sitting there thinking like, oh my God, how are they thinking of this? How are they interpreting this up to where they are and what they're dealing with? And it was just so much, it, 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 the scene was so meaningful and yet to share it with two people that I knew made it, it it was literally a once in a lifetime moment. And by the end of it, (laughs) we were all just weeping. And then the actor was crying. We were all crying together and we were all just one big happy family. (laughs) So, so when you got asked that question, did it click in your head? It's like, Holy crap. This is what Mike was talking about. Yeah, it did. Oh, it clicked before then. Oh, okay. All right, and I I have to share a moment where that this is the beauty of sometimes of immersive pieces is this show takes place at the Mountain View Mausoleum in Altadena, California. 
So you're surrounded by bodies. You're literally surrounded by death during the entire show, which is a show about the collateral damage of war and how it is devastating for people who go, people who serve, people who plan. It, it affects everyone. So th during that final sequence, we were following a couple of different characters. So we're walking around an area of the mausoleum, Mike, that is open air. That it's it's the it, it you're surrounded by four walls, but this, there is no ceiling. It's open to the the elements. So the night air is cool, and you know we're stepping into this area, and you feel a temperature change, and you're following these characters rather hurriedly at first. And at one point, one of the characters makes the statement that peace, peace is always worth fighting for. And Mike, when he said that, birds flew in from two different sides oh wow and landed up near the light fixture standing where the actor was standing it was above him and these birds i don't know if he disturbed the birds and they came from inside the rafters i don't know what was going on but literally when he said peace is always worth fighting for there was this huge fluttering sound and birds appeared <laughs> that's insane <laughs> so, i was like i remember morgan and i kind of looking at each other going uh did that just happen <laughs> It was really a truly bizarre moment. It was just uh, actually we talked about it with uh, with uh, one of the actors afterwards that, that witnessed it. And we're like, did you know? Oh yeah, we noticed. <laughs> so it was a beautiful moment. It was a really great scene. Um, and, and and overall, what happened for me the rest of the time during that, I had uh, you. I followed Johnny's path more that second time, which is what you did the first time. Uh, oh wait, wait, I'm sorry. No, I would say that's following Dalton Trumbo's path. Okay, so I followed Johnny's path the first half, and then about halfway through the show, I moved over more into Dalton's path. Okay, that's how I wound up in that sequence that you that you had the first time. So, and your second time, my second time. So, going back the second time, you know, I had my like that kind of attitude, like okay, cool. All the emotional stuff is out of the way. Like I already <laughs> got that track. Nope. Because there were like two scenes in particular that like crushed me. Mm -hmm. um, but before I get to that, I had so much fun because I was taught how to kill. Yes. <laughs> and, and killing I did. And to the point where afterwards the actor came up to me, he's like, dude, you were so awesome. Like no one has really went up and tried to kill the other patrons before. And I'm like, <laughs> Hey, I was in the moment, but that's so you, but it was so funny. Cause I just ran up to all of them. Like one by one. It's like, ah, ah, yeah. You actually get to play war games. Yeah. Which was an absolute blast, but also really emotional. Mm hmm. That that was a fun sequence, and that was the first half of my second time, and then I switched to the Dalton stuff after that was done with. Okay. So uh, now, what? Yeah, you've mentioned a couple of things from your second time. So there's two. There were I. I was lucky enough to get two one-on-one -on -one scenes, mm -hmm. and both of those scenes are what did it for me. Uh, the first one, I was taken through the mausoleum in a wheelchair. I've heard of this scene and I am so jealous that you got it because I didn't get it either time, any of the times I went. I'm so happy that you got this scene because I hear it's great. Here's the, here's the other cool thing. Our friend Jake got the wheelchair scene as well. That's where I first heard about it. Totally different actor, totally different story. Oh, wow. So there's like, 
so many tracks yeah. for this thing. Um, but my what happened with me, um, Kane took me through. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing was, right before, once I got in the chair, he told me, you can have leave your eyes open or you can have your eyes closed. Wow. Like going, so of course, like g- going through, I was like, nope, eyes shut. And he started just telling me a story about war and the conclusion of that story, he stops the wheelchair and gets in front of me and tells me the story about how the mustard gas came and oh, wow. should, sh- how uh, he got buried in the, in the trench and how he's digging himself out and should, what should he do? Should he like escape and breathe in the gas or stay there? And he's telling me this story, but at the same time acting out what was happening. So you could see it, the anguish in his face, like as like the gas was coming and as like the dirt was coming down. And it's Uh. like, granted, this is a person in the middle of a huge hallway, Mm -hmm. but it didn't matter because you could see it and like just everything he said and ending with that, it was just like, Oh man, just, you felt like you were in war. Yeah. That's, um, it's funny. Cause that some of that information and some of that monologue I know showed up for me in a different area of mm-hmm. the show, but not in depth that way. Yeah. It, it was still very effective, incredibly effective. So let me ask you this. Did you ever lay down on a cot? I did the first time. So that was the scene my second time through that also devastated me. Oh, uh, I yeah, I can see that. And it, it's a sequence where uh, we haven't really specified this. Um, when you when you take on the role of Johnny in these shows, uh, Johnny is a wounded soldier who has catastrophic injuries and he is alive but he has no limbs and his senses are gone um but what happens is they laid several of us down on cots and they had us blindfold ourselves and then what happens is in this hallway because of the echoing of the mausoleum around you the voices started to move around you and it was like you were caught in purgatory and you kept hearing snippets from the memories of Johnny and his life. And you realized that you are going to be trapped here for the rest of eternity with nothing to keep you company, no ability to communicate. The only thing that you have to interact with is the memories. And that sequence was so hard to make it through for me. Did you get touched? Yes. That did it for me because you know we we always talk about how in in immersive theater if you let go and immerse yourself in that moment like the payoff is incredible um this is a spoiler i'm gonna say it so if you don't want to hear this fast forward well the show has ended we should mention it it has but just in case right okay that's your warning um you're laying on that cot and you feel someone's hand like the blade of someone's hand going up and down on your legs and on your arms, which represents them sawing off your limbs mm-hmm. and like that. Oh, dude, <laughs> <laughs> it was an incredibly emotional sequence. And here's, here's another thing. So I, knowing how speakeasy is and how they probably have like 8 million different things you can, you can see. Right. 
I thought I was being so clever because I thought I was gonna, I was going to unlock something. So when you're there and they're talking about Morse code, mm-hmm. when someone touched me and grabbed my hand, I tried doing Morse code in the palm of their hand. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I say that's so you. <laughs> oh man! And did you get something written in your hand? Yes. Okay. And um, there, there was also another sequence where uh, something was written on my back as part of a sequence. Oh, cool. Um, that, there was a, there's a monologue. And I had been told about this sequence, too, which I don't, I don't think... I've never heard you mention this. There's a, a long sequence where you have a... Um, I don't want to say a conversation because it's pretty one-sided, but you meet death in a hallway, And she sort of explains the way things work to you. Oh, wow. And there's a nurse roaming through the patrons at that point, um, writing code, like writing coded messages on your back or, or, you know, at some place on you. And she does it to everyone in the group. And then she pulls you away. And then at one point near the end, you're asked the question, the group is asked the question, like, do you know what day it is? And that's what the code was. Oh, okay. Is that they were telling you what day of the year it was. And, and you know, because I was partially, I knew the source material. And so I knew what, what the day was. But I really concentrated on, can I make out what she's writing? Because as soon as, like, after the first couple of times, you realize, oh, she's spelling something. So I, I literally concentrated, like, okay, could I have figured this out if I did? Because I think I know what she's about to do. And I, I could figure out the first two thirds of it. And so I was like, oh, like, wow. That, like, she's actually communicating by tracing something on, on my back. And it was, and so I was able to speak up and say, yes, I know what day it is. You know, and, and she said, what day is it, Johnny? And I gave the answer and, you know, she responded and talked to the whole group about the day and what she wished for us. And then that led to a couple of other different scenes that, that were just, so beautiful and amazing upstairs with uh, a brief sequence with Corrine and her. It was just, yeah, it was so touching. So my ending, mm-hmm. uh, it was with the three women and Corrine took me away. Mm-hmm. And that was the second, um, like one-on-one the second that was just like a punch to the gut because it was her like, Johnny, tell me things are going to be okay. Like, tell me we're going to see the fireworks, like that stuff. And it's just like, oh, man. Which earlier in the show, if you got another sequence, that's the one thing she wanted. And she gets caught up in that loop of, I just want to see the fireworks. I just want it to be okay. I just want to see the fireworks. And it just, it's like, you have this, like, you know, your girlfriend telling you this. And it's like, you don't want to disappoint her, but you know what's going to happen and you mm-hmm. know what's happening. So it, all you can do is lie through your teeth. And, you know, that's what she asks you to do, basically, because you know, there's a point where they tell you what to say and everything. And yeah. It's just it's heartbreaking, man. I actually got a sequence. The very first Johnny show I went to, I got a one on one sequence similar to that, where um, it's before you said goodbye and left for the war. Um, and it's, and it's sort of mixed with memories after the injury and you do have to like, you know, tell her it's going to be okay. Tell her you're going to be back, you know, and it, 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 it's really haunting. I remember that scene to this day because it was so effective. 
um, you know, I've, I've like the, the death scene that I just shared with you was from my third time actually. And the interesting thing for me was, uh, the ending for my third time because I'd received a soldier ending the first time. The second time I ended with Dalton, what they did was I wound up with Nikolai Dalton's daughter for my third ending. So I got the, the second time I had received a, a sequence with Dalton and his wife, where basically they said goodbye, say good, uh, pardon me, they said goodbye to each other. And so my third time, my ending was with Nikolai, the daughter, and she's talking about the pros and cons of being Dalton Trumbo's daughter and how it affected the family. And then she teaches, there was one other patron with me, and we go sneaking through the mausoleum with her and as she's sneaking us through the mausoleum we encounter other patrons and we like stop and we don't hide but it's that thing of like if we don't move they can't see us (laughs) you know just like a little kid would play yeah and then like the other patrons walked by actually it was we a friend of ours tim was like he walked by at one point and he looked at me like what are you doing (laughs) Because we were just standing there staring at them as he walked by with one of the actors. And then as soon as he was like around a corner, we went running through the mausoleum. (laughs) And I'm sure we were making a ton of noise. But um, she took us down this corridor and she talked to us about, you know, being, you know, the child of this controversial activist. And um, she taught us a song about being welcomed home. And so the last thing that we did for my third time through was we walked through the mausoleum singing that song with her about going home. And home for Johnny, I mean, the only thing that awaits all of us is death. So by the time that we're at the end, the other patron and I, we're just really softly, like, we, like we're just both devastated, I think, and we're softly singing the song and uh, we walk out and we're both singing as we leave. And, you know, I, I turned around and waved goodbye to Nikolai as we as I was still singing, you know, and then walked out in the, the rush of cool night air and, and and just cried for a couple of seconds. I want to get back to Nikolai in a, in a second, but um, the ending of with me and Corrine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after we had that that one on one, she was leading me to the exit but as we were going there, like, I felt like we were so in love, if oh, that wow. makes sense. Because, like, she, like, we were arm in arm, and she's like, can you whistle? And I was like, yeah. And so I was whistling. She's like, what song is that? And I was like, I just made it up for you. And, and you know, and stuff like that. And, and it was just like, we started skipping through oh, the mausoleum. That's wonderful. Yeah, it was awesome. And then, but, and that was the, the, and then that she led me to the exit and I left. Um, but going back to, to Nicola in the second court scene, I was sitting next to her. Oh, wow. And she was amazing. Oh, her energy in that sequence is unbelievable. She's so adorable. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, she's great. So uh, this is a show that is closed and I, I think, you know, Mike and I, uh, we have such affection for the Speakeasy Society and their work and this this string of shows in particular because we've both been multiple times to past entries in the trilogy. And I just think it's important to acknowledge a company that is doing 
such innovative, interesting, intricate work. And this ticket was so reasonably priced. You know, it's half the cost of other shows in this town that are the same length. It's it's a company that has constantly delivered. And I, I just think it's an important company to watch in the future. I've said that before, and I firmly believe it. And Mike, reminiscing about our excursions through our return trips... It's not just us telling us telling our adventures. I think it's actually important to acknowledge the intricacy and how many tracks there were available in this show. And they took great care, obviously, to make sure that at times everyone got broken up into either one or two person sequences and everyone got to be immersed in the idea of being Johnny which that's key and pivotal to the success of what they were trying to get across. So I, I don't know where I'm going with this anymore, Mike, but I, I just, I really feel like, you know, this is not just us like, Hey, look, see what we did. It's like, no, 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 no. Listen to what happened because this is key and important for the immersive scene in Los Angeles, in my opinion. It is. And you know, one of the things we always talk about is customer service. Yes. And for this show, the fact that they want you to email them if you're returning with what happened your first time yes. so you don't get a repeat, that's incredible. I, I went for, for my second time and just like Johnny the Shell, I didn't have any repeated scenes except for the public scenes that everybody is, it's like the mandatory scenes. Right. You know, and you went three times and like what, what's... The the third time I wound up in a similar track for the first, like, fourth of the show, but with a completely different actor. So it was a different sequence, and the stories came out differently. So, and then from that point forward, I got different path completely. Yeah. Except for the public scenes, like you said. So even though I repeated a couple of sequences there near the beginning, because it was a different performer that time... It felt like a different, completely, a completely different show. Yeah, the same thing for me. the The first and second times I went were completely different shows yeah. at the same place. It, it's mind blowing. Yeah, and I hear things like, like you know, the the cot scene I'd heard about, and when I got it the second time, I like, oh, well, now I understand. Um, it sounds like you never received the screenplay scene. Mm-mm. Yeah, there's a scene upstairs involving Nikolai. That's that's what triggered me when you were talking about her, because after the courtroom scene, she took me and about four or five other people away after the courtroom scene, and we had to hide screenplays. We had to hide Dalton's oh, wow. work from Stripling, who was the interrogator who interrogated me my first time and he, he would occasionally pull people out of the show and interrogate them on whether or not they were communists. He came up to the group and Nikolai had this stack of Dalton's writing and she literally gave up each of us a screenplay or a document that he had written and said, whatever you do, don't let him have this. And then Stripling came and the cool thing in my group was that one gal like and it was the one stripling went for first what she did is she as he was walking up she took the screenplay and she tucked it in her pants behind her back so literally when he came like i know i i know you have something behind your back 
that woman literally just looked at him and opened both of her arms up and there was nothing. That's awesome. <laughs> and it was just like, I was on the other side of him like, yes, yes. <laughs> and then uh, eventually Nikolai, you know, like we, we started to talk about his work and all that. And Nikolai ended, ended up letting us give his work, o- give Dalton's work over to Stripling. So, but yeah, that was another great sequence that just like, I, I don't, I've never heard anyone else mention that they got that sequence. So it's like, wow. Like, like every character is a fully realized two hour show and you walk in and out and you get glimpses of all of this stuff. It's, it's, they are amazingly ambitious. That's so nuts. Yeah. It, it's like, I, I love these guys. You know, I think you share that affection, Mike. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so like we said, unfortunately, Johnny is over for now. Um, maybe in the future they'll do remounts of it, um, but uh, I, they have to do remounts of this, or other companies have to pick up these shows. This is important, damn work, in my opinion. Sorry, getting on my little soapbox here yeah, for a moment. It's okay. <laughs> um, but like I was saying, even though this is not running, you can experience what the Speakeasy Society has to offer with the Kansas Collection. Um, yeah, so they're up to chapter three right now. Um, and chapters one and two are being remounted for Fringe Festival uh, happening in June. And chapter three is having remounts as well. So you can experience everything within the Kansas collection so far in June, I think. And uh, I believe chapter three is going into July. Uh, we have all the dates on the calendar, but definitely check them out if you haven't seen a uh, work by them yet. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a fun group to play with. Okay. <laughs> Don't mock me. <laughs> Anyways, um, you can find them on the web at speakeasysociety.com, on Facebook, the Speakeasy SOC, on Instagram, the Speakeasy SOC, and on Twitter, the Speakeasy SOC. And we got mail. Yes, we did. Again, that's this is awesome. And you so, didn't open it yet, right? Uh, you know what? I have not opened it fully. I've peeked inside. Are we talking about mail? <laughs> Yes, we are. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, I got a, I got a box of packing peanuts, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> so, box of dread arrived, and inside, uh, we got a couple of interesting things. This now, was a fun one. It, it's really fun, but I, I will say this, Mike. There, there's something that I can't relate to in it. Can mm. you guess what? Mm, what? The the uh, the vinyl figure of Garbage Pal Kids. Well, you haven't opened it yet, so you don't know that. No, because that's uh, that, it's just not my generation. Just because you were like 37 when the Garbage Kale Kids hey, trading hey. cards were out. I was not that old, I don't think. I'm not sure. So, um, But no, here's, here's the cool thing that for me, as I freaking absolutely love uh, an Evil Dead 2 Beyond Dead by Dawn comic book. And then here's the thing for me, Mike. Just... This is so cool. Well, the Evil Dead comic is number one. So, yes. (laughs) I'm looking at, and it has a freaking beautiful cover on it. Uh, It's Ash and uh, his, uh, wait, wait, what character is that? Oh my God, I'm drawing a blank on her name. I don't know. She's she's holding the, the, the skull dagger and she's holding the Necronomicon, Book of the Dead. And they're sort of like, the angle is this low, low angle looking up from hell. It's such a great cover, oh, um, and then then in the uh, there's a small little mini comic 
which is sort of a preview of an upcoming series of The Howling Revenge of the Werewolf Queen. And The Howling is just a, a personal fave of mine, Mike. Just Oh, yeah. It's one of the greatest werewolf movies. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, wait, I'm, I'm shifting stuff around. Uh, so, yeah, the Garbage Pail Kid one. I'm... <laughs> What did you get? I got Kim Kong. See? Cute. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> oh, it comes with a banana. <laughs> a little miniature banana. All right, so I... Wait, what have I got? I got the character Mean Gene, which is this little mini sort of... Yeah, he's awesome. It's like he's great. He's like a little mini baby in military gear and a knife in his mouth. He looks like he would be in the '80s, um, like the '80s movies when the bad guys come, like in uh, oh my god. Oh, he looks like like in know, Weird Science. Uh, true. Or he looks like one of the villains from '80s, like futuristic post-apocalyptic war movies yeah. that that were so trendy in the '80s with really bad synthesizer scores. <laughs> You mean by bad, you mean good, right? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> Warriors of the Wasteland, anyone? Anyone? And then we also got Horror Classic Series 3 Blind Box. And look who I got. Am I going to be jealous? Yep. I got Twisty. Wow. That's really cool. I know. So uh, this is a series of blind boxes called Horror Classics. And uh, judging from the back of the box, it kind of covers... Most of the horror icons you'd be familiar with, and um, of course, in a very, very cute and lovable fashion. Hold on. You got Jason? <gasps> oh, that's amazing. Oh, that rules. I have, it, it's it's a little mini Jason that is such a cool design. But what part, is that from part three? Well, it's it's zombified Jason because his chest is ripped open and the rib cage is shut. Oh, I thought that was a noose. So no, it's it's uh, his rib cage. Oh, and I he's can't see an axe. That's awesome. We scored with the blind boxes. Yeah, that's really cool. And dude, dude, the detail on yours is cool. The face on um on Twisty, <laughs> it just seems like such an odd horror character name. Is <laughs> really cool. So yeah, nice job on these. Um, again, horror classics. Um, series three, blind boxes by Funko. Definitely worth checking out. And also it came with a, a poster. Uh, I think this is probably 11 by 14, but it has it's from Evil Dead 2 and it's got the, uh, like a page from the Necronomicon. Yeah, And like the cool. writing from it because it's not creepy at all, <laughs> which makes it awesome. I wonder if I could get away with hanging that in my office at work. There's no swears. There's no blood. Of course you can. So, well, it's kind of written in blood. But no, it's printed. Oh, I can use my imagination. <laughs> Just... Don't tell people <laughs> at work. Yeah, nice job on Box of Dread this month, definitely. And for those of you who are unaware, Box of Dread is a monthly subscription service featuring horror-oriented cool stuff. If you'd like to learn more about them, uh, boxofdread.com on the web, Box of Dread on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Check right. them out. So, Russell... We got to visit with an old friend. Yes, we did. We got to see our, our old friend Mabel from <laughs> Motel Six Feet Under, except it's not Motel Six Feet Under anymore. No, it's not. Mabel took over. Yes. And it's now Mabel Six Feet Under. 
So I didn't notice any under new management signs yet, but I'm, I'm, they might be coming. Yeah, but the name on the outside has changed. It's definitely Mabel's <laughs> Six Feet Under now. So, Mike, I bet people are wondering, how did you get a haunt in the middle of summer? Or uh, spring, I guess. <laughs> well, Russell, um, apparently NBC's first look was interested in Mabel. And wanted to film a segment around her and have the hosts go through the haunted house. Mm-hmm. And uh, this will be airing in October. So it just, you know, for those of us that aren't in the industry, like you, Russell, <laughs> um, it's nuts to think that they're filming something five months early and just sitting on it until October to air it. Sometimes that happens. It's crazy. Yeah. So uh, us laymen are just like, what? <laughs> the crew of Mabel Six Feet Under actually constructed a mini version of their haunt. Yeah, they built a mini version just for this filming. Right. And they needed people to test it out. Uh, yeah. And to get scared. And for some reason, they thought of who would like to be scared and who were fans of <laughs> our previous haunts. And Mike, apparently they thought of us. And who does Mabel apparently have a crush on? Uh, apparently you. <laughs> I get all the dead girls. <laughs> uh, I will just leave that alone. <laughs> I stand by it. All right. We went down to a secret location and watched the filming for NBC's First Look program of a version of Mabel Six Feet Under. Also, the host of uh, NBC's First Look program uh, got to go through a little bit of a scare school, uh, as many actors do who are going to be working inside a haunt. And they got some behind-the-scenes glimpses of how a haunt is built, some of the mechanisms and things that are in place to give people a fright. Uh, it was really cool watching this, uh, and we were able to actually watch some of it from above because the building that they built in, Mike, had that awesome second story that you could go up and look down into the haunt as people were going through. Well, the the thing is, they used to be racquetball courts. Right. So they had viewing windows, I guess yes. you could say. Uh, it was awesome. It was a very, very cool little uh, uh, haunting experience for one day. And And here's the thing. Motel Six Feet Under last year... And the year before was one of our favorite haunts. Absolutely. And one of the things we always say is like, oh, how can they up themselves? How can they change it up? Even in this mini version, there's new things and new surprises that got me. Yeah. And if this is just the mini version, I can't wait until October because just to see what else they're coming up with. And you know what? For me, the the thing aspect about this was just it was really kind of refreshing to do a haunt in the middle of this time of year that's just a really fun sort of in-your-face boo scare goofy characters like uh, people popping around corners just it was awesome it was just a great time that day to go down there and experience this yeah and everyone was in such a good mood it's like everyone there was there for love oh yeah you know like and it was just such a cool vibe and Russell, we were lucky enough. Well, actually, Carolyn was lucky enough that Mabel let her out to yes. speak with us. Um, but we were able to speak to Carolyn Carpenter, uh, the CEO of Mabel's Six Feet Under, and give us some info about what's coming up. Yeah, and they're, they're so busy. <laughs> yeah. So much going on. So uh, here's the interview with Carolyn from Mabel's Six Feet Under. We are sitting here, literally sitting here, <laughs> in basically an abandoned building. <laughs> In a small corridor next to a staircase that leads down an entire flight to a boarded up wall 
which we are all pondering what the meaning of that is. <laughs> We're sitting here with Carolyn from Mabel's Six Feet Under. Yay. So, hi, Carolyn. Hi. So, you called us here today. I did. So, Carolyn, yes. uh, Mike and I have met Mabel several times over the last mm-hmm. couple of years at Motel Six Feet Under. <laughs> so, do you want to explain why Mabel seems to be, um, shall we say, gaining power? Mabel. Mabel. Yes, I can explain why Mabel seems to be taking over. Uh, Mabel came about because we polled our audience as to what was the most the scariest thing. And Mabel won hands down. So we introduced her as Mabel a couple of years ago. And she's just gotten so much more popular. And she's beginning to take over the motel. And she's become sort of an iconic character. So now it is no longer Motel Six Feet Under. It's Mabel's Six Feet Under. She's taken it over. She is a great character. She's everywhere. She's not a character. (laughs) Okay. Mike thinks she's real. She likes Mike. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh, we're we're in this abandoned building for a very specific reason. Would you like to let us in on why, or let everyone else in, I guess, in on why you called us here today? We did a very limited um, invitation to sort of insider circle to come and check this out. We have been fortunate enough to have uh, NBC's first look come out and do a segment about us. So we wanted, we needed some people to come through our little mini haunt that we built here today. We built a smaller version of our haunt so that, um, Ashley Roberts, who's the host of the show could come through the haunt. And now as we speak downstairs, they're teaching her how to be an actor. And then she's going to dress up as Mabel and be in the haunt and scare more people. So we just have, um, we had a handful of people come down and you guys were one of them. We wanted you to go through because Mabel likes Mike. So we wanted you to come through and go through the haunt and uh, we're really excited about it. It's going to be huge for us. First look comes on after Saturday Night Live every Saturday night. It's a travel show and they go around and Ashley learns how to do different things, how to cook, how to dance, all kinds of stuff. So today she's in scare school. With and Boo this University. segment will air in October. Then. In October, yeah. All right, excellent. Yeah, this was really fun today oh, because um, it, it's funny. Uh, Mike and I have noticed on Instagram and on Facebook that haunts are now starting to already promote mm-hmm. for the Halloween season, and people are now giving you know, backstage pictures and oh, we're building and mm-hmm. this is. You know, this was really wonderful to get a little glimpse because um, we can't really reveal any of the secrets, but you've made some changes. To mm-hmm. the motel. Yeah, just a bit. So and it, uh, we are greatly looking forward to this season. We are too. Yeah, thank you again for, for inviting us. Mm-hmm. And going off what Russell just said, it, it's really, it, it lends itself to the creativity between you and I guess Mabel, since she's mm-hmm. the new owner. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we, we came the first year and we came this, and after the first year, it's like, oh, that's so cool. Like, what could they do different? We came the second year, it's like, oh, wow. That was cool because they did this, 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 and this mm-hmm. different. And going into your third year, even though this is a like a mini version, there's already quite a few different scares and surprises. And mm-hmm. like, con- congratulations on that because right. it will keep having people come mm-hmm. back to it. Mm-hmm. We we also we pulled everybody again this year. We take people's reactions very seriously. As you know, I stand out in front of the haunt talk to every single person as they come in, as they come out. We really listen to our audience to try and figure out what will be the next thing. And we just have fun. It's just so much fun. And Mabel is so inspiring, and she's such an easy uh, figure to jump off from. So we're having a great time with that. So, yeah, there's a we will be introducing another character. I'm not sure if he's coming in this year or next, but he's coming down the pike, and he's going to be awesome. <laughs> so we're still figuring that out. 
Now, you, in the last couple of years, have been down very, very close to Disneyland in Anaheim. Mm-hmm. So are you going to be in the same location this yes, year? Yes, we will be there again this year. We are exploring a lot of different options because um, we're growing so fast. So, And then um, the person that's donated the space that we're in today is very much wants us to stay here. So we're, we're kind of exploring, but we will be back at the Business Expo Center. The owner there is wonderful, and we work well with him, so we're staying there for another season. It would only be if we just grew too big for that space, which is possible after this year. That's that's totally possible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As Mike said, I can only echo you know all the praise. Uh, just we fell in love with Mabel and the motel the very first year, uh, simply because I think you know for those of you who might be listening to this and might not know what Mabel Six Feet Under actually is, it is a I don't want to say traditional, I don't want to say old fashioned, but it, it, it's. It's just a super fun haunt that isn't extreme, that Mm -hmm. isn't aggressive. You concentrate on scares and you concentrate on fun. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, you know, I I think we have recommended you guys to everyone that we know. Oh, thank you. It's like you've you've deserved all the recommendations Mm -hmm. and obviously we're not the only people who feel this way. You know, you've yeah, gotten so fun. many good reviews. And I, I think the strong point goes back to that just fun vibe. Mm-hmm. Like, you you remind me of why I fell in love with Halloween. Oh, that's great. That's the best compliment ever. Yeah, that's, I think you stole that from me. I think I said that at one point, but, you <laughs> My know, favorite it's quote of yours is, step aside, Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> this is the happiest place on earth. <laughs> we say that all the time now. It's that's true. That's like a slogan we say backstage. <laughs> um right now we're in in a weird time in in the LA area because there was a ghost ship fire in Oakland unfortunately mm-hmm. and a lot of s- spaces are being shut down so mm-hmm. it's been been a lot harder for haunts and theater companies to to get spaces to to be able to produce their work do you have any advice because you've been in a location this is going on your third year mm-hmm. You know, whether it be relationships, whether it be the area, like not being in L.A., you know, do you have any advice for creators that are having a tough time? I think, um, well, one of the reasons that we are in Anaheim is is because of those relationships. That is really the key. And, you know, we have such amazing support from the city, the city council, the mayor, the city attorney, the city manager. I mean, we we know everyone. And so we meet like we're meeting now with the fire department. They help us build the plan before we even build it. They tell us like, oh, wait, you should put this here it 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 worked out just coincidentally um he's not our uh he's not our inspector anymore but our original fire marshal was a haunt buff so when we very first started how cool was that right he sat down with us and just said oh maybe you should do that and do that so we also have high tech haunts which it has a safety program that that the fire um, department here is going to help us launch and we're going to launch that next year so that we can help haunts from the very beginning start with, we have a whole uh, behind the scenes shutdown station where everything shuts down from one spot so that you can shut down the haunt and shut on, shut on on the lights and put the lights up um, in one second, everything goes off and everything comes back on. So it's, um, it's a really great program that we have that we're hoping to build to where you can have a total safety thing that you follow we follow pretty strict safety rules and so that having that going into a space and the ghost ship fire is is actually one of um has inspired us to really get that out to 
all venues in general. So the fire chief has been super supportive and he's going to help us disseminate it once we get it going. It's a webinar. So that you can look for that next year with high tech haunts. That's something that we're going to do. So really it is building those relationships. So is, is the key to all of it. Um, the space that we're in today came from one of our donors and just, he's a real realtor and he called me up and said, I have a space you need to look at. Like he knows that we're out there. So, um, yeah, I think just from that relationship, that's where this was come from, came from, you know, so. So you just mentioned High Tech Haunts, which mm-hmm. you said is going to be a webinar series launching next year. But mm-hmm. you also have something called Boo. Mm-hmm. Please explain that to us as well. So Boo is building occupational opportunities. When we decided to do this haunted house, we didn't want it to be we wanted to be a commercial haunt, but we wanted it to also be a nonprofit. So we started Boo. Mabel Six Feet Under is our main program of Boo. So basically, we teach people how to run a business through the haunt. So we teach people how to do marketing, how to um, you know do your logos, how to do everything from the ground up, building a business through Boo with by using the haunt. So the haunt we're a self sustaining nonprofit, meaning the funds from the haunt go back into the program. So we don't have to dip into the pool of grants and for you know her other nonprofits by dipping into their pool of money. We like uh, it all is self sustaining. So, and now this year we'll be launching Boo University or Boo U, and that's going to be online classes so that people, you know, we'll do online classes about marketing, about all kinds of different things you can learn online and so that people can just log on. And then what we'll do is for every person that pays to take a class, we'll give it away free to someone who can't pay. So that's kind of how the program will work so that people can get help with their businesses through Boo U. So, um, and then we have the Boo Crew, which is Mabel and her four friends. So we're launching out. And now this year, we've also just started uh, the Boosters, which is our private Facebook group. <laughs> we're just never ending. So that's a private Facebook group where we'll be uh, announcing things ahead of time first to our Boosters. And then eventually that'll be a membership site. But right now it's so everyone log on. We're going to um, change it into a membership site in August. But for now, it's people can just join for free, join the boosters and learn about what's going on. We do a lot of videos just about how we build things and what's going on and all that. Cool. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes okay. to join the bo- boosters. It's on, it's a Facebook group to join, join the, the boosters. boosters. <laughs> I keep wanting to say boo crew. <laughs> That's different. You can come audition for the boo crew. <laughs> Mike's in love with the boo crew. I do. I love them. <laughs> Um, so right now we're recording this in May, um, and Halloween, (laughs) Halloween. it seems so far away, five months. (laughs) Do you have anything between now and Halloween where people can get a taste of Mabel's motel? We do. Um, well, you got a taste today, which was really fun. And then, um, we have the boosters, which is a Facebook group. So people can join that. And then in that we'll also be saying little things we might do. We might do an event we're looking at, um, in August back here again maybe and but we are definitely will be at midsummer scream with a walkthrough this year not just a um booth so that's gonna be exciting Ooh, that's fun will you have the scare cam screen for screaming oh, again? yeah yeah <laughs> scream tests absolutely got to do scream tests yeah nice. and we're partnering up um tino evil who we love there they did our shirts so they're gonna do another one and we're partnering up with that and then actually i don't know if i can say it yet oh there's another plan that's really cool oh man <laughs> We got lots of stuff up our sleeves. That's, and then we'll be back October 6th. That's so exciting. Yeah. Um, so with the name change, did you change your website and social media mm-hmm. and all that? And if we so, did. what are they? Everything is Mabel6FeetUnder.org. Same. And and all of our old stuff still points to it. So you okay. can still find us through either Motel 6 Feet Under or Mabel 6 Feet Under. So it's all it's all there. You can still find us. We have collector's editions <laughs> stuff for, Mabel, for Motel 6 Feet Under now. But yeah, it's all there. 
Great. So thank you so much. Um, I'm sure there's people that need to be scared right now. So take care of them. them at scare school. And we can't wait Uh, every year since the first year we've looked forward to coming. So we can't wait to come back. No, we really appreciate your support. You guys have been so awesome from the very beginning. Again, thank you, Carolyn, for, first of all, Mike and I sincerely want to thank you and say that we appreciate the invitation to come down and help support Mabel in her new position with the motel. (laughs) Um, And thank you so much for allowing us to come down and be scared and and offer our support, uh, you know. And and sorry to interrupt you, but we're not just saying and be scared, like as like, oh, we were scared. No, we were scared. Yes. Yeah. Like there were times I jumped back. <laughs> yes. The uh, one in particular that was awesome. It was like, I always, it, it's it, Mike and I have gone through numerous haunts and it's always fun to see the other one get scared and they got you good, man. Was, yep. That was fun to watch. Yeah, uh, I, I can't wait for the full version. <laughs> uh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you, Carolyn. Thank you, Mabel. Uh, Mabel Six Feet Under uh, is coming back this season. Uh, as I said in the interview, same location as last year. Uh, definitely keep an eye open for their dates uh, closer to the haunt season. And keep an eye out for NBC's first look program about Mabel Six Feet Under. Yeah, And once we have a firm date on when that's airing, uh, it airs after Saturday Night Live, uh, we will let you know. Absolutely. So thank you, Carolyn. And thank you to all the crew uh, that were there that day and everyone that helped build the haunt on such short notice. Yeah. And again, I want to stress what Mike said. The vibe around that building that day was so fun and joyful and warm and supportive of Mabel Six Feet Under. And it just felt great to be there and participate in it. And there's more coming. Definitely. It's like it was so fun to go through. And uh, we're really looking forward to it this haunt season. And for more information on Mabel Six Feet Under, you can find them on the web at MabelSixFeetUnder.org. On Facebook, it's still Motel Six Feet Under. And Instagram and Twitter, I get to do my laugh again, Russell. Yes. Motel Six, F-U. Where's the laugh? (laughs) I'm laughing now. (laughs) He's laughing on the inside, people. Motel Six, (laughs) F-U. Russell. I feel better now. And she mentioned the boosters in the interview. Um, that will have a link in the show notes, but search for Mabel's boosters on Facebook. So, Mike, yeah. next up on our list uh, is we... another family friendly thing. <laughs> right. Uh, we went back to Zombie Joe's Underground Theater for the third and most recent installment of a series of shows called Blood Alley. Many people have probably now become familiar with uh, a really, really extremely popular series of shows at Zombie Joe's Underground Theater in North Hollywood, California, known as Urban Death. Blood Alley is not Urban Death. (laughs) Urban Death is a series of uh, kind of like a vignette-based shows with uh, horror, dark humor, uh, very odd vignettes that really get under your skin and creep you out. Blood Alley is a different animal. And you had a conversation with Zombie Joe before the show, right? About yeah. This? I arrived early enough that he actually, uh, we did have a few minutes to talk. And I, I kind of asked him, like, so how does, you know, what's the difference? And he sort of gave me the mythology of Blood Alley. Because he's mentioned before, Mike, to us that, you know, Blood Alley is this alley and the vignettes and the, the scenes that you witness in these shows are tied to that specific alley. And so he made this comment to me that I, I literally went, 
oh, that sounds so cool. Um, he said to me, you know, Blood Alley is an ancient alley haunted by spirits born of trauma and longing and sadness. And he, he kind of chuckled and he went, bad things have happened here. <laughs> and I think that's a really good definition of what Blood Alley is as a mythology. And I, I think all three shows have really played on these scenes are born from the really bad stuff that has happened in and around this alleyway. When you put it like that, it's, it, it kind of gives the show a new perspective. Yeah, because um, this show in particular, I think, covers, like, there are different, how do you say, like, different classes of people represented. And I, I'm talking social classes, economic classes. Um, there are also um, really different activities portrayed. Like, everything from crime to uh, relationships going wrong to uh sexual attacks to to morbid beauty yeah so i i have really mixed feelings about this one because i found it really disturbing yeah i didn't like it's it's so weird that that you think this is disturbing like i thought the christmas one was way more disturbing oh that's interesting because i found this more disturbing than the christmas version of blood alley weird Uh, this one had a bleakness about it that I found really unrelenting and I mean, it starts out really bleak and then there are moments of humor introduced later, but they're few and they're far between. And even some of the humor is, you know, I found myself laughing at, you know, someone performing what would be considered by most people to be a deviant sex act. And they kind of get interrupted at at an awkward moment. And there was some humor in that, definitely. But even just that sequence, even though it was there for, I think, for comic relief, that had a really dark undertone to it of, of like, the, the pain that he was going through to achieve his goal. And, yes, there was comic side to it, but even that had a really dark edge to it for me. Um, yeah, this this... This was really disturbing to me, and I sometimes looked at the scenes not being able to get what I was supposed to be getting out of them if that doesn't if if that makes sense to you mm-hmm. like i i don't I don't know why I witnessed some of what i witnessed i I feel the same way, but the way I'm looking at it is i there was a lot more in this blood alley that I just didn't get and I, what I mean is like how does that fit? Like, how does that make sense in this, like you, I guess universe right mm-hmm. now, you know, there's, we're not going to say scenes because it's still going on, but for example, neon, how did, how did that make sense? Oh, you're talking about a scene where there's lots of neon colors present. Yes. <laughs> Got it. Right. You're right. I did not understand that sequence either. Yeah. And I guess, it, you know, and maybe it's, it's, I have, kind of tunnel vision for blood alley like you know like maybe it's it's me where i guess in in my mind and from what i've seen from previous blood alleys like blood alley is the nasty unpc like just we don't care what we're showing you it's gonna like shock and offend you mm-hmm. and there were definitely those scenes yeah. and there were actually two of my favorite scenes ever seen at zombie Joe's, I think happened in this blood alley. Oh, interesting. Um, so it's not like I didn't like it. I, I did like it. It's just, I think there was more that I didn't get 
as opposed to usually it's like, oh, that's cool, or or oh, that's ooh ooh, but I got it. You yeah, there know? was there was definitely cringeworthy stuff which I found interesting, but I just I I really felt for me for me this time it sounds like you enjoyed it probably more than I did. For me this time, there was just sequences where I looked at it and went. I don't know what I'm supposed to walk away with. Yeah. I can uh, understand that. Um, yeah, like there, there, there's, you know, they, uh, there's a very rapey attack. And I literally, at the, the lights went down after that sequence. And I just went, I have no idea why I just witnessed that. Why? See, I know, I think I know what scene you're talking about. And I didn't even consider it being rape. I just took it. No, the scene that I'm referring to, you definitely took as rape. Okay. I guarantee you. <laughs> well, even then. <laughs> I guarantee you it was rape. Okay. So, and it, and it just, and I just, I didn't find it provocative. And I'm not saying it's not a worthy show to explore. I, I mean, if you are interested in the dark stuff, if you're interested in like really provocative theater, and if you're interested in watching really, truly passionately committed performers giving their all for you the patron like that's this cast oh yeah like more so than maybe ever before that i've seen you know and it's like you know my criticism of how i or uh, of what the show left me with is not about it's a bad show it's not this is a worthy show it's just it hit me as being so bleak that I I walked away, I found it a downer. Oh, wow. I really did. I don't know. Maybe I was just in a sensitive mood that night. I don't know. I'm not sure. But I mean, the thing is, you left feeling something. So oh, they, they did yes. their job. Yes, absolutely. And again, I, I think that is a product of that cast committing to that material more than 100%. Uh, and I, I commend them for it because, wow, there's some daring stuff in this show. It just, uh, again, I was just like, I walked away going like, was there a bigger message I somehow didn't get? Oh, I, I kind of had that feeling like, like, why did I witness some of what I just witnessed? Cause it wasn't entertaining and it wasn't provocative in a way that made me think, but it did make me feel so I was, I was, I had left very confused I really did. Yeah. Got any, got anything that you can like, how do you, it's like, I, I'm looking to you as my friend, like crap. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, do, what do you think? Do you have any opinion of what I'm saying? Like what? Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, like, I think we're in a similar mindset, but it, for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because, you know, like I was saying, uh, it, I, I don't know. It, it, there was something about it. It, it like to me, like you're saying how bleak it was to me. It wasn't that bleak. Like it was bleak at times, but overall, like I was wanting more, like I wanted more like messed up stuff. Like, because in my mind I'm picturing blood alley one. And then the Christmas thing is like, there were so many screwed up things that happened and this, and this one had more, it had more humor and it had like more like just, kind of random stuff that didn't seem to fit in my mind at least you know what maybe maybe that's maybe you're articulating something that i'm feeling and you're doing it much better than my brain has so far made sense of it 
Wow, did that make any sense? Nope. Uh, okay. <laughs> Take two. All right. So I, I think what you just said is how I'm reacting. But for some reason, I I found it a bleak tone. I didn't find a lot of humor in what I watched. I really didn't. I found much more humor in the Blood Alley Christmas show. And you're right. The Blood Alley Christmas show was so twisted and demented in certain areas. And I found that the the demented, twisted stuff here... A lot of it was sexual, which I have no problem with that, but it, I, w- I think I was looking for some meaning or something that I somehow missed. Well, also, it was a little bit longer. Uh, this was, I think, like a, almost an hour long, mm-hmm. if not a little it bit was. more. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that's another thing, whereas the other two shows were such like, they com- combined so much into a shorter amount of time. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe because there's more scenes in this one and it because they're not all just like, bam, 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 there is that like, there is that feeling that it's like, oh, well, if you drop maybe three or four of these, it would have more of an impact without these scenes and, you know, cram more into a shorter amount of time or something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've hit on something there. Maybe it was the length of the show. Um you know, maybe it was the fact that I had to leave town right after the show. Right. I mean, I was, I, I did leave Who'd town. Who'd you kill? So, <laughs> shh. Um, yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe it was one of those nights where I just wasn't in the right frame of mind. But yeah, everything you've touched on, I agree. And like I said, I'm not saying this isn't a worthy entry. I'm, I'm like, I, I'm saying this is a worthy show and I know it was a good show. I, I think I'm just saying that it didn't speak to me. Yeah. So and it sounds like it's it sounds like it spoke to you more, yeah. which I'm very happy to hear that. Well, I mean, I said earlier, probably two of my favorite scenes I've ever seen. Like one might have been my favorite scene I've ever seen at Zombie Joe's. You have to tell me what that was. I will just say the rose. Oh my god! Like that was beautiful. Yeah, that's I. I will. I absolutely 100 percent agree with you. Like, and it's so. It was breathtaking. Yeah. And, you know, it's like we always talk about things that have like, oh, my God, these special effects. And, you know, and this this was nothing like that. Like, if you go to Blood Alley, you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But it's. it's, And I agree with you. It's a stunning, stunning moment. Yeah. And uh, the other one was Umbrella. Mm hmm. And actually, there's a third. Um, I will say. Uh, how can I say this without spoiling it? Was it a woman waiting on something? No. Okay, because um, that was a really good one for me. Was the woman waiting on something and she gets interrupted and she has to handle something? It's uh, after a game is played. I know the scene you're talking about, but that was one of the scenes I felt I didn't get anything from. Really? Yeah. Huh. I thought it was about humiliation and and it represents a Wait. very valid thing that has happened in the history of this country. So I'm not sure why. I like the setup because that put me in the what the hell is this? Like, how does this fit here? Right. I Go, agree. And then finding out what happened with the game, like with what they finding out what happened after. Like that was like, oh, I get it. That's awesome. Are you referring to what they did with their winnings? Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Just, I see just your, that situation. I see your point. It just didn't speak to me. That I just keep going back to that phrase. Yeah, I love that one. 
Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> you are dark. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, dude. So, again, a an entry from Zombie Joes that is fascinating and provocative, and it's all of those things. Uh, it just, I, I personally, for my friends would say, go in knowing that you're in for a rough ride. And for some people, I think that's going to be exciting. And for some people, it might be a little bit of a bumpy road. For me, it was a bumpy road. Still gotta give kudos to that cast. Holy crap. Of course. And there was a couple first timers in that cast. Yes, there were. So kudos to them. Yeah, absolutely. Blood Alley runs Friday and Saturday nights at 8.30 through June 10th, so only the next couple weeks. Uh, For more information and to find tickets, go to zombiejoes.com, on Facebook, ZJU Theater, on Instagram and Twitter, Zombie Joes. Now, Russell, apparently there's not enough for you to do in L.A., (laughs) so you went back to Vegas. Um, Yeah, I did, Uh, partially because of the holiday weekend. Um, I uh, hit up my friend Omar and said, hey, I want to come to Vegas and see a show. Um, I had mentioned on a previous podcast, there's a theater company called Majestic Repertory in... Uh, Las Vegas, and I had met the director of a show called Hand to God, and I knew that he was going to be directing a version of Carrie. His name is Troy. And so I it so happened that I was free this weekend for part of the weekend, so I actually went to Vegas, uh, did an escape room with our friends, uh, Mike, you know, Jason and Omar both, and, you know, we did an escape room together, and Omar and I went and saw Carrie the Musical, and it was a fun weekend. It was great. And we played some video games. That, so tell me about Carrie. Was, how was it? Because we, we saw Carrie here in California. We didn't have to leave to see it. Um, but what, how was it different based on a different production company doing it? This was really interesting. Um, they deliberately cast young. They actually cast really incredibly talented high school students. Oh, wow. Who are art students studying the arts, uh, studying theater. Uh, this, the voices were uniformly strong. The performances were univer- uniformly strong, but it was actually high school students performing the piece, which really does add a creepier edge to it because it is about social politics. It is about the cruelty that that age can bring to social situations and vendettas and revenge. If you know the Carrie story, you know that all of that's present. That was really cool. Uh, the cast, the mother and Carrie in particular, were very, very strong. And uh, it, it's just... I've said this before when we talked about the uh, the La Mirada version of Carrie that you and I saw, what, a year ago, I guess? Yeah, about that. Um. It's not the greatest musical ever written. I mean, some of the show numbers are clunky. Uh, it, the book is awkward at times. Um, I think most people acknowledge that. Um, I mean, originally it was a huge flop when it was first premiered. Uh, and it's been rewritten and reworked. And now that's the version that companies across the country are doing. So it's a problematic musical. So... That's the strength and the weakness, I think, of the piece. And it's one of the reasons I've been drawn back to it, Mike, because I've seen three different versions. Oh, pardon me, four different versions of this show now. Oh, wow. And every one of them has a different vibe. 
And this one was because of the age of the cast, because of the strength of the cast, it it's the most believably high school-ish feel to the piece that I've seen so far. That's cool. Because the La Mirada version, which we saw a year ago here in Los Angeles, that had more of an adult like point of view it was looking and their interpretation of how she re- interacts with the religious aspect of her life and her mother and all of that uh, this was more of a confusion level which i think is honest to the piece and honest to the age of carrie and what she's going through so a really strong cast really interesting interpretation the chaos of the prom holy crap mike it was so well done that's awesome. Uh, sparks flying, literally. Uh, <laughs> electrocutions going on. Nice. Uh, blood flying in a couple places. And a particular moment involving uh, a very acrobatic young man who Carrie freezes with her power and then twists and the actor was able to literally bend over into sort of a reverse crab walk position instantaneously. So it looked like she psychically broke his back. Wow. It was, it gasps from the audience. Uh, And that with the screaming and the chaos and the sparks flying from the electrocution. And it was just, it was so well choreographed, well-directed, well-delivered by the cast. So, and the group scenes, that's the other thing about this, which I think is the reason the show can work so well. The group scenes with the high school students, that cruelty that runs through the show, the mockingness, even even of of each other, like even the friends in this show really, really come down hard on each other and insult each other and snipe and bicker. And it's a, it's a harsh show. All of that played much more real because of the high school age cast. Wow. So it was a really, really interesting... I'm glad I made the journey. Good. So, and I should mention that uh, this production ended, I caught like the, the final weekend, the Memorial Day weekend performances. But Majestic Repertory is a company, definitely if you're in the Las Vegas area, to keep an eye on. They are doing really interesting work. I've seen now several shows by that company, and I really like what they're doing. And they've got some really dark stuff coming up in their new season. Uh, and Russell Dark or Mike Dark? Probably halfway in between. <laughs> Probably halfway in between. So, um, but if you'd like to learn more about a majestic repertory theater company in Las Vegas, you can check them out at majesticrepertory.com on the web. Uh, you can also check them out on Facebook at Majestic Rep. And on Instagram, they are Majestic Rep Theater, and theater spelled uh, T-R-E at the end. And on Twitter, you can go to Majestic Rep. Uh, definitely, if you're in the Vegas area, highly recommend them. They're doing some really interesting work. Uh, and Mike, the other thing is our friends Jason and Omar. We all got together. I haven't seen Jason in, I don't know, six months or so. That's been a while. Uh, since uh, we, we did a show together here in Los Angeles. We, we attended a show, um, uh, I think it was about six or seven months ago. And um, so Jason and Omar and I went and had lunch. And we went and did an escape room. We went to the basement in Las Vegas. They have a Los Angeles-based uh, location, and they now have a Las Vegas-based location. Uh, Jason and Omar had attempted to do the study, 
which we've done the version here in Los Angeles. So mm-hmm. I joined in as they retried to do the study because they failed to succeed in getting out the first time. So we went back and the three of us attempted the study. And we failed. <laughs> <laughs> I am not saying it was like the Three Stooges doing escape room. Oh, man. <laughs> But, we, we need to see that security cam footage. But I will say, I don't think all of us were firing on all cylinders. I don't think we were, we were putting our best escape room mentality in play. Because uh, I think we each had doofus moments. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to bring this up because we've talked about the basement and the two locations before. And you have not done the study in Vegas. Correct. Okay. The The differences here, I think the the study in Las Vegas is a little bit more intimate and small than the version here, which with three people in the room was really cool. And, and if you put a couple more people in that room, I think it would heighten the suspense and the tension because you'd be in each other's way to some degree. So what worked against us was... We got caught up in our very first area in something that we became convinced we knew what it looked like. And even after a clue, of they said, oh, go back and examine this. We still didn't get it. And it's one of those things in an escape room where you look at something and you make up your mind that you know what it is. And if you don't investigate it further, you miss something. And that's exactly what happened. So we needed a key for something and it was staring us in the face and we didn't see it. So eventually they had to had to give us a clue to get us to move forward. Uh, we did not escape. However, we got uh, we had a lot of fun. I will say that. <laughs> That's all that matters <laughs> if um, I'm not there. It's very fun. Um, there, I don't want to give too much away. How do I put this? Let's just say that Jason had to take on a new personality. Ah. And if you've done the study in either location, you probably know what that means. Um, and he played it to the hilt. <laughs> <laughs> he even took on a new voice. Nice. Yeah, he 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 was going for it. I was very impressed with Jason. Uh, he really went for it. So if you've done the L.A. one, do you think there's a, enough different that you need to do the Vegas one? Um, I think it's very similar. And and it's funny because we escaped the LA version, but we did it, what, two years ago? Yeah, when it first opened. Literally, I only remembered one thing. Wow. That was it. I just remembered one. When the clue popped up, it was like, oh yeah, that's the clue I remembered. And I didn't remember the details of it. And unfortunately, we didn't get far enough to use that clue. (laughs) But I will say, had a really good time. The plus on the basement is the environment and the atmosphere that they create. They create a really creepy vibe. It's fun. It's not dark and scary. It's just dim and creepy. And I mean that as a complete compliment. Because of course. I, I think that that tone, they do it so well. So I would, if you're in the Vegas area, I highly recommend the basement uh, and the study. I actually like the study more than the basement room, to be totally honest. Oh, wow. Yeah, I really do. I, I think well, it's... Well, what you saw of it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, what I saw of it. Yeah, and we uh, we just we just had some bad luck. We, uh, we opened various locks, but we didn't find like one third of a clue. And like we, we just stumbled here and there. So yeah, uh, and there were a couple of things right in front of us that we didn't notice, but had a good time. It was great doing, a, doing an escape room with friends again. Yeah, that's always fun. Yeah, and Omar and Jason and I, I, I don't think I've ever done an escape room with Jason. I just realized that. Yeah. 
uh, didn't get out, but we had a good time. So um, I have a feeling uh, they might be going back to the study for a third time at some oh, point. Oh, no. <laughs> now I think it's a quest. Uh, so anyway, uh, do recommend The Basement. Check out their escape rooms. I really, really like the study as an escape room. It's really fun. If you want more information on The Basement, uh, you can go to escaperoomvegas.com. You can look them up at The Basement Escape Room on Facebook. On Instagram and Twitter, look up The Basement LV for Las Vegas. Uh, definitely recommend their stuff. Really, really good time. So that's all the stuff that we've done since the last podcast. And there's some news and tickets are on sale for some new things that have been announced since our last podcast. Uh, the Victim Experience, which is something that's near and dear to our hearts. I guess that's the <laughs> best way to say I that. I guess you could put it that way, yes. Um, that Those tickets have gone on sale and have been selling out minutes like after they go on sale. Yeah, there was one ticket that lingered for several days, I noticed. Do you There's have to one... let it linger? <laughs> wow. Do you have to? Do you have stop, to? Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Do you have to let it linger? That is so going to come back and haunt you. Uh, <laughs> they have opened another date as of, I think, yesterday or today. Yeah, I think there's multiple dates that have been on sale but are now sold out. But yeah. it's, I think they're up to like, what, five days now or six uh, days? Something like that. I, I haven't been keeping since I, I'm not making the commitment to go back this year. Yeah, I don't want to look because I'll be tempted to buy. <sighs> yes, I, I kind of feel the same way. The victim experience is an extreme haunt extreme haunt uh that mike and i have both done and the only in... people that have done it twice successfully yes as yeah. of now uh, as of this, now this year will probably <laughs> that will probably change since i know there's a couple people going back for their second times yes that's true i have a feeling that record we uh, people will be joining us in that record omar make us proud yeah so good luck to everyone who is attempting the victim experience this year mike and i know several people who are attempting it yeah. this year you'll need it uh yes you will you will definitely need luck and fortitude <laughs> not so much luck oh i guess it's luck compared to what moods certain people are in uh, that yeah. day <laughs> <laughs> maybe um the victim experience is put on by the freakling brothers horror shows in las vegas and for more information go to the victim com and pray <laughs> another thing that has the tickets haven't gone on sale, but there's starting to be rumblings from this experience when there has been none for such a long time. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about the alone experience. They started changing their profile pictures and it, it, it's so funny. Like, I think you and I joked about this, but like, you know, you're, you're in a good spot when you change, you post a plain black picture mm -hmm. and you get like hundreds of likes. Yeah. Like, you're in a good spot. Which they did. Because, yeah. uh, you know, people are fond of Alone. Uh, yeah. They are certainly an innovative company. They're they're very, very different, I think, than anyone else in Los Angeles. So they do unique stuff. Yeah, so something is happening. Uh, so keep an eye on them. Um, hopefully it, they're doing something soon. Uh, we've missed them. You can find more info on them at thealoneexperience.com. So whenever Zombie Joe has a new show, we get excited. Mm-hmm. But usually when Zombie Joe has a new show, there's information about it. Right. There's a new show called Santu Deliria at, happening at Zombie Joe's in June on Friday and Saturday nights at 11 and 11.30. And there's really no information. We don't know what it was. Like We had a ton of people email us asking us about this show and... 
we really didn't know what to tell him, but we were able to get an interview with the creator. Mm -hmm. So hopefully this interview answers some of the questions that people have. I'm definitely going. I'm actually excited to go after speaking with the the creator of this. Um, So there's still not a ton of info and that's fine, but I think this will ease a lot of concerns people have had. Uh, So here's an interview with the creator of Santu Deliria. I'm sitting here with the creator of Santu Deliria, and thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Um, You're very welcome. What can you tell us? Because there's really not a lot of information, and people are wondering, is it a haunt? Is it immersive theater? Like, What can you tell us? Um, well, when I was initially bandying the idea around, I used to call it a feverish nightmare escape or feverish nightmarish experience. Now I just tend to call it a nightmare interpret that how you will and this is happening at zombie joe's and what are the dates for this uh this runs every friday and saturday in june starting june 2nd um there are two time slots uh, 11 and 11 30 uh very few tickets available for each slot uh, we want it to be as intimate as possible and we want it to be as you know direct and one-on-one as it's possible with a event like this and therefore uh, yeah, I can't give too much away about how you'll be going through, but I could say that you're going to have a lot of direct contact. There's a lot of people uh, doing immersive theater and haunts and extreme haunts nowadays. If people that have gone through other things, I'm assuming they'll be fine going through this, but for the people that are newer, what, what kind of advice would you give them? Would you recommend they stay away or or just come prepared or like what kind of advice do you have i mean it really depends on the person um there are people who we know personally who we've told not to go through because we know that they won't like it or there are things about it that they won't like or there are things about it which would really upset them um but then again if if you want me to be totally honest we didn't start it as an extreme haunt we weren't setting out to make an extreme haunt i had an idea for something which turned into an immersive thing which sort of turned into something which had horn elements and um you know my uh my collaborator keeps reminding me as we're running through things you know that you know people really aren't gonna like this like they're this is gonna make people very uncomfortable we're worried about one bit in particular that we're worried people might safety out very early on uh, because it addresses or it contains involves a very specific phobia that a lot of people have but i didn't set out to try and make an extreme horn i've done extreme haunts um many of my Many of the people involved in the show have done Extreme Haunts, but it wasn't really what we were going for. It kind of happened by accident. So you could call it Extreme, you could point to elements and say, you know, declare it Extreme, but it wasn't really supposed to be like that. It just kind of turned out that way. <laughs> so you mentioned there's there's full contact, there's a waiver involved, um, and like I mentioned earlier, there's very little to go on. For people that do these experiences, uh, for patrons that come through... When there's a new show that nobody knows about, obviously safety is it becomes an issue. Um, how do you not convince those people, but how do you make sure that things are safe? Well, um, I mean, the truth of it is, and I, you know, I don't want to downplay anyone's expectations or their fears, but there's really nothing unsafe in the show. Um, there are issues that we sort of came across where we thought there might be a safety. Come like fucking hell! I really love this one bit. Like, it was so fucking good, really, really powerful, but. At the same time, when we were running it through, there was just like a margin of 
error for a safety and we eventually took it out just because you know we couldn't guarantee that nothing would go wrong but other than that really there isn't a safety issue we all know what we're doing and um, anything that was unsafe uh, we wouldn't really pursue that far at the same time we're also we've got, got well I have to worry about the safety of the performers you know um, there's always some trepidation about for example having someone alone in a room with a performer you never know um, you know you can't vet people that thoroughly uh, we have to be very careful about that so there are We've kind of considered every possibility as far as safety goes, and we're pretty sure that it's safe. That's great to so hear. That, yeah, I hope that's convincing enough for you. Yeah. We're pretty sure it's safe. Come along. We've, we've been through worse. Yeah, you don't know my name, and I'll disappear afterwards, but we're pretty sure it's safe. Now, this is taking place at Zombie Joe's, and it's fairly limited. It's only for the month of June. Do you, if this, when this does well, I should say, just because I, I it sounds like it's going to be great. Um, do you have plans to remount it at any point, or is this a one and done? Move on to the next show. Uh, well, we kind of saw it as a um, like we're kind of using this as a test run now. Like we, my the initial treatment I had for it and the initial scripts that we had for it were extremely ambitious and involved, you know, much bigger space and much more, many more people. And uh, then you know we kind of went, all right, let's calm down a little bit and let's sort of. Uh, take some of those ideas and put them into a smaller space and sort of run them through and see what works and see what doesn't or um, but you know I mean the, the main thing is we just wanted to make a stripped down very small but very very direct and intense uh, experience but yeah like I said we're kind of using this as a test run and if uh, if there are things we like better or things which do well then we have talked about trying to bring it elsewhere and uh, trying to make it bigger and well I mean, God, who knows? I mean, it's really hard to compete with uh, a lot of the immersive stuff that's going on now. Like, you know, things like Have You Seen Jake and Tension Experience and stuff like that is, you know, huge in scale and scope. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're more of a we're more of a kind of garage band immersive haunt. We're doing it on a very small scale at the moment. But sure, I'd like to look into that stuff. Why not? Great. All right. Well, thank you again for sitting down with me. I'm looking forward to the show. Uh, do you have any final thoughts? And can you give your website information? Uh, yep, the website's uh, com. You won't find very much on there, but it will give you a start. Uh, you can get tickets through that link, or you can get tickets from the Zombie Joe's website. Um, I would say get tickets early. Uh, it's pre-sale only, I should mention. You can't just walk up and get a ticket. Uh, there are only t- six tickets available per time slot, so it's very limited. But um, yeah, come along and... I mean, we'll try our best. <laughs> Great. Thank you again. Uh, you're welcome. So thank you for letting us know uh, about Santu Deliria. Like I said, I am st- I have my ticket. Like, Russell, you have yours too, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm so- literally fitting it in between two fringe shows. I'm literally driving back and forth between Hollywood and North Hollywood that night. Uh, so, yeah, it's happening at Zombie Joe's uh, June 2nd through the 24th on Friday and Saturday nights at 11 and 1130. You can go to com for some info and or zombiejoes.com to find tickets. And then Fringe is happening this weekend. <laughs> yes. It's starting. Or June of hell. Oh, but it's a glorious oh, hell. It's Come great. on. No, it is. It's just it's it's just such a crazy time. So literally uh I am uh planning what mornings I can sleep in. Seriously, like <laughs> Well, and it's funny because, you know, we always joke. It's like, okay, like you have your change jar for haunt season. Yes, I do. You know, so we like save up for haunt season because we go to so many. June is now haunt season part one. Yeah. Because we have to, because I think there's like 
like 20 to 30 shows I'm going to. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, absolutely. There's so much more than last year. So, and this is this is all this is one of the situations where living in the Los Angeles area is a blessing of too much good stuff. Um so much interesting stuff going on at the Fringe Festival. It it, it just there's something for everyone. Yeah. And so you can find more information about the Fringe Fest at hollywoodfringe.org. So that's pretty much everything so far, which brings us to <sighs> the lust experience. Lust. Peace, bitches. Oh yeah. Okay, that one's a bit better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we can keep that one. All right. All right. <laughs> so yeah, man, like there's some cool stuff happening with lust. Yeah, there has been some cool stuff. I mean, Noah's dad started calling people, and his name is Horace. Yes. So, which is cool, which, you know, he wants his files back that <laughs> Noah stole along with Megan. People are getting in-person visits from people at their house. Yeah, that the story of uh, I, um, Morgan, actually, and Buzz both got in-person visits from characters. Morgan got a warning. Buzz got Michelle from the OSDM showing up. Well, and Leah got someone at her work. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's all really cool and fascinating. Um, and it certainly adds to the universe. Oh, yeah. And the, But the weird thing is about Michelle really quick is, you know, Buzz's girlfriend snapped a picture of her. Mm-hmm. I don't know why anyone should fear Michelle anymore. Because every time we've seen Michelle, she's been this powerful, like you know, in, in like a business suit, oh, yeah. like, like taking charge. And she shows up at Buzz's with beer and she looks like a college girl that is doing laundry. <laughs> I did not think that, but uh, yeah, I see what you mean. But yeah, so it's like you were the all powerful, like OSDM, like leader. And now you're showing up in a half shirt and like sweatpants basically like and and the conversation that she kind of had with uh buzz was i think she was trying to maintain that air of there is some power here but it wasn't very convincing no so now the visit that morgan got was a guy basically at his doorway threatening him saying you don't know who you're messing with that sounded really creepy and effective yeah and the michelle visit to buzz was effective in a different manner because you didn't buy it so, yeah, so the interesting stuff going on, definitely. Yeah, I mean, and here's here's the thing. Like, last year with Tension, like, when we all got around, like, we were creating, like, flyers for, you know, we uh, we talked about this during registration because right. the guy asked me about that. Um, it's starting to happen digitally. Um, someone created NoahSinclairTruth.com, and they just want the truth about Noah to come out. So there's it's cool that there's fan generated things that are still in game. Yeah. And in that case, fan generated, which had very specific information that only one particular participant (laughs) would have access to. We're looking at you. No, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Just in case OSDM or investors are listening. All right. Just in case. So you didn't hide your tracks. Well, if that was your plan. (laughs) Oh, geez. Anyways, (laughs) But it, it's cool, and it's not game jacking. It's you know, it's playing along, and I think it's fun. Um, Other things that went down, like like the uh, it's interesting that the Noah Sinclair site went down and the iConfidant site went down at the same time. That was mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Don't know what the ramifications of it were. Don't know where that's leading. 
But there seemed to be some talk of investor problems around the same time that that happened. Maybe the investors didn't invest in paying their bills. No, but around that same time, Mike, uh, you had something interesting happen. Yes. Uh, Otis called me, and it was very weird and worrisome. How so? But first, okay, so he called me, and when I first met him, he gave me his phone number. Mm-hmm. And when he called me and texted me during the Pi meetup, he used that phone number. It was the same phone number. Right. This time, I got the call from an unknown number. Hmm. And right away, as soon as I answer, he's like, Mike, you know, this is Otis. What number shows up when I'm calling you now? Oh, wow. And so it's like he was on it. And I was like, oh, it shows unknown. And he's like, oh, these people I'm working for, they took my old phone and they gave me this one. And, you know, there's sensitive data and they're all worried about it. And so it was like, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool. But what do you, I mean, do you... It, sensitive data, how would he have access to it? What, what are their concerns, do you think, with him? Well, I don't know. Maybe his phone had pictures or voicemails some, uh, left on them or oh, something. Oh, because he was hired as a driver and he would have gotten communications. Right. And if they're trying to cover every single track that they leave behind, wow, that didn't even dawn on me. Yeah. Because I, I, I didn't understand when I'd heard that, of like, like what could Otis possibly have? But you're right. Just the fact that he was an employee, ties him into all of this. Mm -hmm. But here's the scary thing. And I feel like I'm in the same position you were last year with Addison because he started saying that, and and it's Otis. And if you've heard him talk, you know, it's, it's so genuine and you just Mm -hmm. feel for the guy and he sounded sad. And he was saying, you know, it's like, I haven't really been able to sleep and I'm having these blackouts where I wake up and I'm somewhere else and I don't remember being there. And yeah. And I, I, I'm having nightmares when I do sleep and I can, in the nightmares, I can see my hands and they're doing horrible, horrible things and it feels so real. And it's like, what did you tell him? No, I, I honestly, I don't remember because I was so in the moment with him and I was like, right. well, are you okay? Do you need to like, do you need to talk more? Like, do you want to meet? You know, like, what do you need? Like, and then he asked me if I knew of a psychiatrist and, you know, I, I told him I didn't, but I would, I would start looking for one and I would keep my ears out for him. And, and it was just, it was just heartbreaking because you could, you could, you could hear in his voice how scared he was and how he didn't understand what was happening. Wow. Yeah. And so after that call, I went to the forums and explained everything. And then after I did that, I got another phone call from an unknown number. Mm-hmm. And it was from the accent guy from registration who told me, or he asked me if I had spoken to someone under his employ earlier that day. And I told him yes. And then he said um, not to ever reach out to him again or else. So, uh, which sounds very similar to what happened with me and Addison last year. Yeah. With the Twitter account. Yeah. Right? With the yeah. Twitter account. So, you know, it, 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 it really puts you in a weird spot because yeah, you don't know what these people are capable of. Mm-hmm. And for Otis's safety, I haven't reached out to him. 
Right, which I, I think, you know, is, is the logical thing to do. You have to respect, because your connection is with Otis, right? Yeah, and and that's the thing. There's, I feel like there's no way to win, no matter what I do. Yeah, that's, yeah, I, you know, been be, there. Yeah, <laughs> so if I reach out to Otis and he gets in trouble, it's going to be my fault probably, right. you know? But, you know, when I went to the forums, I was hoping people would take the cue. Like, I can't, but you can you know, right. I was, but I didn't want to say that because obviously the dude that called me is reading the forums. So I didn't want to be like, Hey guys, I can't. So you guys go and contact him. Right. You know, but, um, something weird happened with Otis this past week and his Facebook account is deleted. Right. But we'll get to that point. Right. It's just, it's, there's, I don't know. I don't, I was hoping he would reach out to me at some point. Um, maybe like under the radar, mm-hmm. but Nothing yet. Right. Not long after that, other people started getting a few interesting phone calls. Uh, Tina, who we briefly, briefly interacted with at the day of registration, Mike, um, she was the one who I believe tried to take my picture, and she was the real estate person. Right. Uh, she had called Brad and basically said that she wants out of all this. So, again, this is more of that things are falling apart behind the scenes, no matter what people try to paint as a public image of everything's okay. And it sounds like she had a meeting with Marcos, who, according to some people, was probably one of the investors. And apparently, she was getting directions from him to trust her gut and and make real estate deals based on her feelings. But she felt that there was something weird about the way that she was being manipulated. So information is going out about like that, that it sounds like the rats are fleeing the ship. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because after that, um, Brian, uh, Erzin got a call from Stacy and much like your interaction with the, the ride to the hotel, right. He got hijacked by Sarah mm-hmm. who told him not to believe anything Stacy is telling you. And everything is a lie. Uh, we should mention that Sarah was the one who hijacked. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just cause there's two S names involved there. So Stacy had called him and he was supposed to meet with Stacy, but Sarah showed up and said, and pulled him away from the meeting. Wow. Two S's. Yes. Now we need two L's. Ah, interesting. But, you know, that goes back to the Stacy who's in charge of iConfidant. Uh, the interesting thing about that meeting with Sarah that Brian got is he did get clarification that apparently Horace controls everything. Horace, who is Nora's, Noah's dad, she kept stressing that like it was important information that he get, that Horace was the one pulling all strings. Um, and it sounds like Sarah was aware of the meeting so the question becomes like how was sarah aware of the meeting that stacy was going to have with brian so all of this is interconnected somehow but nobody really knows so and stacy from iconfidant apparently left a message for brian saying she was upset that that he had missed the meeting so speaking of iconfidant how is yours going not well oh really no it's not the match made in heaven (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) you know it's funny because i'm i'm trying to you know me, I'm the nice guy, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it's funny. It, it's like, I, what I'm getting is, you know, some people have said that they feel like they're talking to humans and, and their eye confidant exchanges are wordy and all of that. Mine started out robotic. Um, I think on one po- earlier podcast, I said I, I answered a yes and no question without a yes or no, and it seemed to not handle that well. It literally felt like I was talking to a computer program. 
I don't think that's the case anymore, Mike, because I am getting some personal information. Apparently, she's a woman. Apparently, she was cheated on and broke up recently. But I'm only getting like one sentence information. And she's still echoing everything I say. If I say I'm questioning certain things in relationships because of my birthday, which just happened, she's like, oh, yeah, I can relate. I'm questioning things, too. And sometimes using the exact same verbs that right. I use. Like early on, she I actually said something about this exchange being awkward. And her in her response, she said, I feel awkward, too. <laughs> so it's literally, it's, it's a reflection of me. Either that or your I confidant is a 20-year-old girl. <laughs> So, well, she says 39. She's already said that. So, but so here's the, here's the funny thing for me, Mike, is before the whole I confidant thing started to unroll, I sent a message to Stacey Erickson when it was first kind of hit our radar. And one of the things I said is like, look, you know what you said? You stress companion on your website. You stress like that this isn't a dating site and I'm not looking for a dating site. That's not what I'm interested in. You know, and one of the things I said, you know, somewhere in that email exchange with Stacey Erickson, I said, it's like, look, I've plenty of friends. And the last thing I would need is someone who matches me. Because the thing that I love about my friendships is my friends challenge me. Right. My friends are interested in different things than me. It's like, I, I think that's one of the things I, that's one of the reasons I like hanging with you is because you're always into other stuff that like, hey, have you seen this? No, I haven't. Have you seen a Serbian film uncut? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Have you seen August Underground trilogy? Ah, uh, yes. Mike, you've shown me such sites. <laughs> Some that I cannot erase from my retinas. Um, but I, I had that exchange before the I Confidant thing ever happened. And so I said, I would rather have someone who challenges me as a friend. I would rather have someone who's different. So what do I get from my I Confidant? I get someone who reflects me. So, like, I, I am one of the people having boring, robotic uninteresting exchanges with my confidant. So that's how it's going. I've no idea where it's leading. Yeah. We, none of us do still. (laughs) (laughs) So, but no, it's, it's not really that engaging to be totally honest. Yeah. I'm just waiting for mine because I think uh, mine is supposed to be moving soon. Really? Yeah. To LA. And I really want to see what happens when mine moves here and see if they get caught up in the LA scene and stop (laughs) messaging me because I'm not part of the cool kids or, you know, there's something like that. Like just to see how it, how that plays off and it'll be interesting when they move. Right. Well, I know some people have suggested they meet their confidants and they, I think they've gotten like, Hey, maybe someday that's possible but the rules don't permit it. Uh, I'm not interested in meeting mine. They're, 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 I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. Okay, (laughs) that's fine. (laughs) So, um, I mean, have you reached out to Stacy again and explained your frustration with her, the service she's offering? I was about to, and that's when all of this stuff happened with Stacy meeting, was supposed to meet with Brian, and all of that stuff kind of came up on the forum. So I thought, now would be a bad time to... Stop being the nice guy. She's... She's a businesswoman. She, yeah. You're needing customer service from the service she's providing. Don't worry about, you don't, if you don't get a package from Amazon and you know the Amazon CEO is on vacation, do you still email Amazon? (laughs) Good point. Yeah, I I just, 
you know, at this point, I don't even care enough to complain about the bad customer service. So, yeah, that's kind of where I am. Okay. <laughs> How's that, that for a downer? Fair enough. <laughs> so, but I'm glad yours seems to be interesting. Uh, more power to you. Yeah. I mean, it, mine is at the point where there's really not much more to say. Where it's like, okay, I know where you live. I know you're about to move. I know what you're into. So it's just like idle chat. It's like, oh, did how did packing go? That's so oh, much cool. more than I got. Hmm. May, I, and, but here's the thing. I also, you know me well enough. Like, hey, look, I, I talk a lot. Yep. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> that was a little quick. Um, the uh, uh, Am I supposed to be driving this? Your path is your own. You know, like, is, you know, is the problem with the iConfident experience for me is I'm not mind vomiting every aspect of my interest toward her? Like, because I'm not going to do that. And that's fine. It's just like, no, it's like, that's, you know, like, they're supposedly providing me a service. And what they've provided so far is pretty boring. And that's fine. Yeah. It's, it's a free service. You don't have to take part if you don't want to. Yeah. So I've mentioned a couple of times because people have talked about the iConfidant thing on the forums. And I've mentioned a couple of times to just like, mine just seems to be reflecting everything I, you know, like regurgitating everything back to me. And I think other people have so, said similar things. Right. So, um, but so, look, you're, so you're not alone. Yeah, apparently I'm not. So, uh, but more interesting stuff has happened. Oh, yeah. There was a Periscope that happened. Very odd one. And the... We'll just go straight to what happened and then we'll get into what could be issues and all of that after we talk about it. Um, Andy from the forums saw Noah outside a place he eats, which I guess it was the second time that week. Yeah, he had mentioned on the forums that he had run into Noah like accidentally. Right. So twice, is that coincidence or not accidentally? Yeah. So Noah is like, no, no, and starts walking away and... Andy follows him, follows Noah to a warehouse where he goes into this door, is greeted by Otis. And I say greeted as in he's the first person he sees. It's not right. like Otis is like, hey, guy, come hang out. Um, but Otis is like, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be you here. You shouldn't be here. And in the background, you see three hooded figures with a girl in her bra and panties on a star and there's some ritual happening candles yep and you hear a voice who people are saying is horace uh and take his phone and turns it off and no one has heard from him since yes and there was a comment horace made or the voice that everyone is crediting as horace says you've made a big mistake by coming here today yeah so uh, supposedly Andy's mom went on the forum and is actually looking for him. Mm-hmm. So uh, as we're making this recording right now, Mike, it's still in confusion. Yeah. So uh, by the time this comes out, something may have resolved. But right now, Andy seems to be missing. And nobody knows exactly what went on. And nobody knows what that ritual was. Right. Okay. So that's the story point. We should also mention the weird statue, too. Oh, Yeah. What the hell do you think that thing was? <laughs> I don't know. It looked like a like a fertility statue. Something like that, yeah. So which was at the near the feet of the girl that was laying spread eagle in the star with candles around her and three hooded figures doing some sort of ritual type thing. Right. Brought to you on Periscope by Andy. Yeah. R.I.P. So now that the story point is out of the way, yes. let's back up a little bit. <laughs> 
in this periscope, things happened that we were always told to not do. Yeah. By the creators after the focus group, because, you know, we would follow Noah and cross traffic. Yet Andy followed Noah and cross traffic and trespassed. But it's okay, even though Noah wasn't Noah, supposedly, because Noah said, no, don't follow me. And everybody was like, dude, it's out of game. Yeah, Stop people following him. Yeah, on the Periscope him. kept commenting, like, no, don't follow him. This is out of game. Like, th- this doesn't look like you should be doing this. And for once, I'm glad that I'm not the paranoid <laughs> safety guy. Other people went to the forums and said, wait a minute. Like, how, where are the boundaries? Right. I'm glad that you started this conversation, Mike, because I'm usually the one who's paranoid about such things. You told me to. No, I didn't. So you didn't have to come No, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Who are they going to believe? That was mean. (laughs) (laughs) But, and here, but exactly, like, where are the boundaries? We had an issue early on where, where the boundaries were, and now this happens. And... You know, which it, it, no matter what way you look at it, you lose in yeah. a way. Because if he's a plant, okay, he's a plant slash character. He's doing these things as a participant, yep. showing all of us that it's okay because no one else is stepping in saying no. It's okay to trespass. Mm-hmm. And if he's he was a participant and it was something like a buzz situation where they were like, okay meet us here and then when he gets there they say something like follow noah no matter what go where he goes which is a possibility absolutely so he's not in the wrong he's not in the wrong either way but it just goes back to that whole thing it's like well wait a minute if we if one of us sees this without any prompting we think it's okay because andy did it on periscope right so how do you feel i it just seems that all bets are off yeah, I, I'm torn because, you know, it, it, like, you know me, I think, well enough to know that if I were in that situation, unless I had received a specific instruction, I would not have opened that door that Andy opened. Right. Same here. Which apparently there was a scene that was supposed to be revealed, I guess. Right. If you're looking at it from telling a story. Yeah. Obviously, he knew he was supposed to do that. Right. But at the time, we didn't. So yeah. looking back, it's, you know, it could go either way. Yeah. I, I, unless I'd received a specific instruction, would not have opened those doors. Yeah. I, I, I just wouldn't have. Just that's, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, and, and, and it, it has come up on the forums and, it, and so far there really hasn't been a satisfactory answer. Right. So, and we, I don't think we'll get a satisfactory answer until we know exactly what the fate of Andy is. Mm-hmm. In game, out of game, in story, out of story, whatever. So, just an interesting dilemma. Yeah, which which seems to bother several people in the community. Well, I mean, I've had conversations with people like you know, for some people seem to come to us when they want to vent. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, obviously, like, but I've had a couple people like be like, "What the hell?" Like, this dude complains and then gets attention. So is that what it takes to do? Because this happened in tension to a few people. Somebody has said that to me as well this past weekend. You know, so it, it's, I don't know. It's in a weird spot again. Yeah, and, and the, these are some of the things that came up last year, and we seem to be covering similar territory. Yeah. Don't know where that's going to lead us. Yeah, I don't know either. 
someone's going to die, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. So the ritual was cool. The ritual was interesting. They're bringing back a cult thing. Which was interesting. And I think people had like, I don't know. You know, it's, it's again, I think you know, for me, all of the corporate intrigue stuff, I've been very honest and like, I'm sorry, the corporate intrigue stuff is not that interesting. Yeah. So this, I mean, and I've heard other people say that to me as well. Like when I meet someone for drinks or whatever, that's come up a few times, you know, it's just like, especially those of us who work in business, it's like, uh... well, it makes me think like if they are doing this, it's going to be like very high profile people. And it's going to be a Bohemian Grove type of situation. I have no idea what you just said. Bohemian Grove? Yeah, I have no idea what you just said. You don't know what Bohemian Grove is? What are you talking about? Really? Wow. Bohemian Grove? It's where it's like the place where all the high profile like business owners and presidents go to sacrifice people. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh. Oh, sweet little <laughs> Russell. I feel so innocent. <laughs> Let me take you if a president asks you to go to tri- on a trip, <laughs> don't do it. Okay. Yeah, so so interesting stuff, and um, things feel a little bit messy right now on the forums as we're recording this, and things feel a little bit messy in private conversations too. (laughs) But here's 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 what I don't get though. Going back to the if these are the most powerful people, they should be golfing on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, they should. You know, I made a joke on the forums because like Swingers is one of my favorite movies, where like when they meet the cocktail waitress, Mm -hmm. like he's like the beautiful babies don't work midnight to six on a Wednesday it's a skank shift so it's like <laughs> the high profile cultists don't do rituals noon to five on a Friday afternoon it's the skank oh. cult well I right, look they were heading into the weekend they wanted to get it done uh, they were all trying to get out by 435 not the during work hours so uh, you don't mix the two so unless that is your work killing is my business yeah business is good <laughs> okay all right, so where we leave it now is Andy's missing, his mom's looking for him, and people in the community are confused as to how to behave. Does yeah. that sum it up? Yeah, pretty much. All right. <laughs> We're out of here. Yeah. <laughs> See ya, Lust! <laughs> uh, but for a more in-depth read about all of these things, you can check out like Buzz's New People Start Here thread on the forums or Blondie's blog or catch up on the subreddit. Um, all of these links will be in the show notes. And to find more information on the Lust Experience, go to thelustexperience.com, on Facebook, The Lust Experience, Instagram, The Lust Experience, and on Twitter, Lust underscore experience. And before we go, I just want to do a quick shout out to Corey. Uh, he wrote us an, a message and he's in Florida and is super excited and wants to be involved in more immersive stuff. Um, but it's Florida. So there's not much going on, but if we hear of anything, we will definitely let you know. And I think we told you in the message to check out the Everything Immersive Facebook group uh, run by Noah Nelson of No Proscenium. What up, Noah? Um, but I believe I read something in there that in Orlando, the Orlando Fringe Fest is happening soon. So uh, check that out. And seriously, thank you so much for writing. Um, it's always cool to hear people what they think from out of state and what's going on in their neck of the woods and stuff. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, yeah, I recommended him as well. Check out the Orlando fringe, which I think is, uh, closing near the end of this month. And, uh, and also, um, 
Something else that we've noticed, uh, people who are asking us about immersive stuff in other states, check major cities. Like, I would check Orlando and check the theater scene in Orlando if he's in that area and uh, or any other major cities and see if the theater scene in those cities might be offering something that is not available in the smaller areas and communities. Because the immersive stuff does seem to be spreading quickly to major cities. So that that's one tactic you might want to try using. Good luck. And let us know if you find stuff. Please. Yeah, let us know when you go to something or if you're participating. So that's everything, man. That's a lot. It is. Stop going out of town so we can <laughs> we can record sooner. Oh, all right. So I delayed it a few days. Um, uh, no, the it's been it's really been some fun stuff going on, and uh, really looking forward to the Fringe Festival. Really looking forward to the new shows coming up. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. Yeah. So. If if you get like two podcasts a week in June, you know why? <laughs> because of Fringe. <laughs> we'll try to keep up. We don't know yet. Yeah, because <laughs> there's probably going to be shows that we are going to tell you that you need to see. There's always those shows. So we should be wrapping this one up, Mike. Like Christmas present. Yeah, right. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you would like to learn more about us or reach out to us, please check out myhauntlife.com. You can reach us at mike at myhauntlife.com or russell with two S's and two L's at myhauntlife.com. You can find us on Instagram at myhauntlife and Twitter at myhauntlife. Facebook also is myhauntlife. And we, of course, have the haunt line. At 515-428-6852, that's... Make it easy for them. (laughs) Don't have them... Like, people are listening to this and driving. Don't make them grab a pen. I was getting there. You're so impatient. Why would you start with that, though? Uh, uh, I have no idea. We gotta work on this. All right, This is why I usually do the ending. I know. I know. You're better at this than me. (laughs) All right, keep going. Trading wheels are off. So... (laughs) Or give us a call at 515-HAUNT-LA. Yeah. Oh, my God. No? No evil laugh? Anyways, I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. Thank you for listening. See ya? There's that wish, that sound effect for shaking my head in disgust. <laughs> See ya. Bye. Now, Mike, you and I... Do you want... Now, Mike... Mike? Yes. <laughs> uh, you and I went to... Jesus? <laughs> Is that you? 